0: Welcome to the Cape First podcast. I am your host Seb, and with me as always, because I can't get rid of him, is my co-host Thomas. And today we're going to be talking we're about We're actually
1: bonded together weren't we?
0: I literally can't get rid of you. Um we're going to be talking about the 13th Doctor, Jodie Whittaker's Doctor to be precise if you didn't know. But that's that's our topic for today. Aren't you excited, Thomas?
1: I'm very excited.
0: I'm, I'm very excited, excited too. This. Um, I watched all the ep- well, not all the episodes, and um, the,
1: the the ones that you told me to watch. Uh... I mean, I, I originally told you to watch all of them. You did, like, you did. I, I won't be able to do that in time. I was like, okay, here's a list of the the core episodes you should watch.
0: And did I watch them?
1: You did. You did, except yeah. for the New Year specials.
0: I I did watch the uh, the recent New Year special because the cliffhanger. That's good. The cliffhanger in season twelve. Left me going, like, wait a minute, what how does this connect with the New Year's one? And then I watched it and it was like, oh, okay. That's my analysis that's, of that's the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it's said you know, you know how I said I've made loads of notes. That's basically <laughs> my notes. It's it's just rough descriptions of my thoughts and feelings about the show. Um
1: <laughs> that's well then I think uh that's exactly where we're going to start. I think first we should have some background knowledge in anyway, general mm-hmm. history yeah. um, for those who uh, don't care, which is because I suppose if you care about this stuff, you'd be listening. Wouldn't you?
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, anyway. I, 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 and unless unless you're brand new and you've just seen this on your Instagram feed and going, oh, who are they? and you don't know Doctor Who. <laughs>
1: our, our hardcore dedicated fans. The three people.
0: <laughs> have we got any more? Because I remember you said we had three I've, I've from America. Checked. Oh, you got to check. I've got checked. Have we lost. Th- th-
1: those three people in America have probably turned off by now.
0: We've lost them. Uh, oh, dear.
1: This is just you and me you now, said. This is just our echo chamber. We can say whatever we want.
0: Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's, <laughs> I like how that was an inside joke that no one's going to get. No, because we, we... Did you not say in a previous
0: episode about how I came up with the word buffalo? I can't remember. I anyway. think you did. Anyway.
1: I'm going to leave that unexplained. <laughs> well, <laughs> continue with your synopsis of uh, today's episode. So, uh, Doctor Who, for those who don't know, is a British science fiction show that's been running for 58 years. Ooh, 58. Um, it, it turned 58 about... Four days ago. Oh, did it? Um, That's quite funny. Yeah. The 23rd was the anniversary. Oh, lovely. And we're recording on the 27th.
0: How how romantic. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, And yeah, uh, unlike most franchises where they will recast an actor Mm -hmm. and just reboot it or ignore the recast, Doctor Who's unique where its main actor will regenerate and change. So it's the same character but different people come along and mm-hmm. play that character. And its I think it's, like, the only character like that in fiction where multiple people are playing the same person and all the continuity is the same.
0: I mean, I was going to say James Bond, but no.
1: But that's, like, he doesn't, like... They don't, like, give him plastic surgery. They don't explain why he no, we different. don't different. Do he leave... just looks different.
0: Yeah, they do give, like, little nods going, like, oh, is it the same? Is it a code name? Stuff like that. But no. Yeah. I can't think of I anything think, else.
1: Um, I think when George Lazenby did his, there's a line where I think his, his partner gets kidnapped. And he goes, this never happened to the other guy. Yeah. And there's, like, stuff like that. But this is, it's the same guy. He just changes his face.
0: Or same woman.
1: And now... Yeah, now... I spoiled uh, that, I'm sorry. become a woman. You have, you huh. have. There was, like, controversy, as there is with this type of shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Were, and, were, like... Were you happy with the change? Well, I think this is a good segue to go on to our first point, which is our initial general opinions, like, what we think of the change, because, personally, I do not care who plays the Doctor as long as they do a good job. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's a man or a woman... I I the only, I think the only thing they should be is British. Yeah. <laughs> they shouldn't they shouldn't be American. They shouldn't have they should be from Britain. They should be born in Britain. I suppose it'd um, be a
0: funny take though if it was like someone from Germany. I don't know. I don't what know mean, why I, I didn't. I don't know why I went straight to Germany.
1: There, um, you in fucking Germany, man. <laughs> you got a vendetta. But I, 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 don't know. I think it's because it's such a British character. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of British writers, like really famous British writers, like Douglas Adams and Neil Gaiman and mm. people like that. A lot of really good, you know. It it's it sort of baked into that British culture. His or hers spaceship is a police box mm-hmm, a british Br- police british, box yeah. from the 1960s yeah i feel like if you change it to like an american actor it lose that's the only thing that would take away from its identity
0: yeah i mean you know the how you have those shows in britain where um we've got the british one and then the american people i said the americans <laughs> they uh they try and You're copy that. I'm really struggling. I've only had one cup of coffee today. And um, they make the American version, like you know, within betweeners, of The Office. Oh uh, yeah. Do you think I, I would love to see a Doctor Who show, but it's American? It's all American. I think that would be really funny.
1: Or really this interesting. I, I, this is. I mean, we're complete. We're already going way off topic. <laughs> <But> I, <laughs> I think that if you change the main actor, or you took this show and you made it completely American, there'd be a lot more, this might sound, um, uh, go on. Offensive. Potentially. (laughs) To our three American audiences. (laughs) I think there'd be a lot more like laser guns and shit like that.
0: Yeah. I I Um, see that. I mean, there's already enough laser guns and laser shoes. More to come on that. Yeah.
1: We'll get to that. But like, um, because, I mean, they already had their science fiction show. They had Star Trek, which I suppose yeah. was more about, like, diplomacy and, you know, it w- that was less action-orientated. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you tried to reboot this in America, they were... Like, they, they... I think it would lose part of its identity. I And this this is all to say that I don't care who plays the Doctor. Black, white, man, woman, I don't care. But they should be British in my head. Mm-hmm. And... They should be good at playing the role, which leads me on to my question of, do you think Jodie Whittaker is a good doctor? Well,
0: she just plays previous doctors, I think. I think she, I think ever since um, David Tennant, you know, with his energetic performance, Quite a lot of the Doctors have kind of copied that and think, oh, this is what the Doctor should be. And I feel that's carried on in quite a lot of them. And I feel Jodie Whitaker is just doing the same thing with that. Um, I feel she's very cheesy, very, over, like, yeah, I think I'm just going to stick with that. Very cheesy, very energetic. Um, mm-hmm. But, so I think... I wanted something different from her because they've gone through a different uh they've gone they've changed the story completely by oh she's a woman now so it's like right let's do something different but it's just the same as the previous ones I think.
1: See that's that's quite interesting because you're right there where they did change it to be a woman congratulations on getting that bit right thanks I, um, I did watch I did watch the right season um, I, mean, I think they're sort of different here <laughs> <laughs> what could it be
0: it would, have, it would have been awful if I watched the wrong season I was watching Peter Capaldi's one I was going like I didn't like the old man and you go wait what That's, what are you she, talking she, about Seth she's a it's a woman now not an old man
1: but no I I think um, I think when they change it to being a woman well, I'm going to cough
0: <coughs> okay
1: I think when they change it to being a woman, I think they were kind of scared about how the public would react to that because Mm -hmm. it was a big thing. Uh, Her first ever episode of Being the Doctor has the highest viewer numbers ever. Oh, really? Because lots of people tuned in to be like, oh my God, they've changed the Doctor to a Mm -hmm. woman. How is that going to work? So people who knew who the Doctor was but didn't watch Doctor Who tuned in because the whole country was like, Holy fuck! This is kind of a big deal. Let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I personally was disappointed
0: with her first I episodes. Feel like,
1: yeah, because uh, yeah, you look back at like um, previous previous first episodes for Doctors. Mm-hmm. You've got the Christmas invasion, the Eleventh Hour, and Deep Breath, um, and I suppose Rose. But that is like. Because that was Christopher Eccleston's first You can count episode. that. As, yeah, yeah, I count that one. But he's, and I suppose he is kind of fresh off a of regeneration because he has that same way he looks in the mirror and goes, oh, yeah. it's even worse. Like, yeah. he, it, it's clearly early days for him, but mm-hmm. he's still confident in himself. He knows who he is enough by that point. Yeah. But the other ones, the episode kind of revolves around them figuring themselves out. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, David Tennant is removed from his episode, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he's he's recovering. You know, he's quite ill, and he comes in very often. But it's mostly Rose, Mickey, and her uh, Rose's mum. And but then he finally is, appears at the end, which is a different different strategy to sh- to introduce the new doctor. It's a different. Formula. I think it's
1: a smart strategy as well because this is the first time a new audience, like a younger generation, has seen uh, this happen before. So seeing the companions react to it. Mm-hmm. You relate to the companions more because you're like, yeah, I'm confused as well. What's going on? Yeah. But I think it also builds anticipation. So when he comes out the TARDIS and he has that big fucking dick swinging scene where yeah. like, well, he walks around the Sycorax ship and he's all like, look how fucking cool that is. Yeah, yeah. But it's such a good scene and there's such a build-up to it that you really click with that Doctor straight mm-hmm. away. Here's the thing, though.
0: Um, I do feel that I think ever since I think David Tennant's first episode... And I would say definitely uh, Matt Smith's first episode kind of confirmed this. Like, every time there's like a new doctor, I feel it's like the same thing going on in their first episode where they're regenerating and they're still regenerating and they don't know who they are. And, you know, it's it's very similar. And I made one note going see, with like their first episode, first new different doctor, I feel they need to change the, the first episode just a bit because you've got the classic things that still happen. You know, like I mentioned, they don't know who they are. They're still regenerating. They've got to deal with this one-off monster just to introduce the new Doctor. You've got the big clothes reveal that, oh, this is how our Doctor looks like. And then you've got, oh, here's the new TARDIS. You know, I feel ever since the uh, Matt Smith one especially, that that's just kept on happening. You know, they need to change. You
1: You say that, but I think that for the most part, they have all been different. Um, and I think they have all been interesting up until Jodie Whitakers. because I think the Matt Smith's one does a really good job of instantly connecting you to the companion, the new companion. Um, Pond, Amy Pond. Because, yeah, because you, she's like, he accidentally becomes her imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. And I think they do a good job of, right, he's got no TARDIS, he's got no Sonic, how is he going to deal with this alien? And I think you see him interact with people, you see him figuring himself out. I think that works, and you spend a lot of time with that doctor opposed to David Tennant's one when he's in bed the whole episode. And then with Peter Capaldi's episode, I think they do a good job of again that you you sort of settle the audience into an older actor, and I think they explore some really interesting ideas where because a big part of Clara and the Eleventh's relationship. Was kind of like a weird flirty sexual one. Which yeah. is kind of strange. There's that weird line where Matt Smith's doctor says, and he's talking about Clara, he says that she's a riddle wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in a skirt that's just a little bit too tight. Oh. And he says it's oh. really creepy. Oh.
0: <laughs> Cheeky. It's, it's really. It's getting, getting it's like hot here, of... isn't it? <laughs>
1: So I think when he regenerated into an old man, I think they did there was some interesting character stuff there where she's talking to Madame Vastra and she's like he he looks old and she's like, Did you think he was young? She's like But he looked young and she's like But he's like thousands of years old And there's that great line where Capaldi's doctor says, Clara, I'm not your boyfriend and she's like, I never thought you were and he's like I didn't say it was my mistake Oh. I think that that episode it's interesting because it takes character work that had been developed on in the with the eleventh Doctor mm-hmm. and kind of changes it up because now the dynamic has changed. He isn't this romantic time travelling hero to her anymore. He's a, he's a grumpy old like man. A, he's a grumpy old man. He's like a grandfather, and their dynamic changes a lot. And I think some of the best episodes with Clara and Capaldi are the ones that really ex- explore that dynamic change. Now you look at Jodie Whittaker's first episode as the doctor and you have to introduce the brand new doctor, mm-hmm. three new companions, a villain, the there's a lot going the on there. There is a lot going on and I think that the weakest part of that episode is Jodie Whittaker's doctor not because she's a bad actress but because the writing doesn't want to really explore the fact that
0: this is new, this is different. Changed. Yeah. I mean, my previous point, like with the how it was all very similar stuff, is like I was I was watching that first episode, and I'm like, can you do like you were so Like you were saying, it's very samey. They haven't changed much, you know. I would have liked to. I was thinking it'd be cool for like a new doctor, and like she's completely fine, you know. She's gone through the regeneration. She knows who she is. Like, let's go. We're all rolling, you know. Um, yeah, like
1: I. I, I do agree with you there because we do have the same beats where there is the costume reveal. and You know, I, I like the costume reveal. I like it, the TARDIS it's reveal. N- it's just a bit... I want... Just
0: different. I feel as this show needs to have go for a different approach and that was the perfect opportunity to do that with the gender switch. They could have gone through a different uh, way of doing the first episode, doing the series and everything. But it's just a wee bit same... You know, they do this big change and it's just the same.
1: Yeah, and I think... And I think this is going to be a common thing that comes up throughout this episode. I think Judy Whitaker's biggest issue as is being the Doctor isn't her acting. Maybe in some parts, but I think it's the, the writing she's given yeah, more than absolutely. anything. And I think um, you're right, because you know, this was Chris Chibnall's idea. He asked Stephen <laughs> Moffat to end the episode with uh, Peter Capaldi, with the TARDIS exploding and her falling out of the TARDIS and, like, falling to Earth. Have we not seen that before? Um, yeah, which we, we had, but I think the, the specifics of this one is different in terms of, like, she's actually fallen to Earth. Not that it matters, because she crashes through a train and is completely fine. Yeah. And the only reason he wanted that to happen is so that he could call the episode The Woman Who Fell to Earth and pull a bit of a switcheroo where you think it's talking about the Doctor, but it's actually talking about... Uh, Ryan's Grandmother grace because she falls off the tower
0: oh really is that did you not, um, did you not clock that <laughs> I, I, I did, to be honest i didn't really like that first episode. there are many things i <laughs> I just felt like going back to the writing part or the way it was, uh, the story was written, I feel the dialogue's all very quick, very quick pace, you know yeah um, I don't want to think... go into the companions just now because we'll talk about that later
1: yeah we'll we'll talk about that later, but i I do think that like. Her first episode does so much to just ignore the fact that she's a woman. There's a couple of yeah. lines where, like, someone's like, "Oh, madam, madam, mom,' or whatever," she's like, "Yeah, well, yeah." Which doesn't make a lot of sense because she'd already looked at herself in the mirror and seen that she was a woman. I think this episode would have benefited if it had just done like a bit of a character deep dive, have a bit of a time cut, and have the doctor kind of like traveling but like uncomfortable in her Mm -hmm. own skin because i know they talk about how um uh, time lords as a people are more advanced so their concept of gender is more advanced than humans where they don't really care about gender Mm -hmm. but at the same time if you have lived as a man in a man's body for thousands of years if that then changed to a woman's body there'd be some discomfort uh, Same yeah, if you absolutely. were a woman for thousands of years, and you ch- turned into a man. Mm-hmm. And I think that like they don't explore any of that stuff. Not that we need like an episode where the Doctor has to learn how to use tampons and shit. Like that. <laughs> well, not that we need like those kind of details because that's not This isn't the show for it. But I think that there could have been an interesting thing where you see the Doctor really reflect on their sense of self absolutely yeah i mean this kind of goes into
0: one of the questions i have when watching when i was watching the first episode who is the show for now is it for younger viewers is it is it for older generations like i'm watching this and i'm going like who is this for you know i'm just lost
1: i think a really good episode that kind of uh highlights that is um often 55 uh that I watched that and, one. Um, well, there's that one. There's also... Uh, I'm trying to think. The Witch Finders. Oh, yeah. Um, there's... In fact, a lot of these episodes actually fit the description, where there's dark story elements, like people getting killed, bodies being mm-hmm. reanimated, like in The Witchfinders. Finders, monsters fucking breaking into a facility and killing people, like in Orphan 55. Yeah. But there's like... Stupid comedy stuff added on top that isn't. It's like you can have comedy, not be cringe and not be silly, not be like directly aimed towards kids, and there's stuff like, um, you know, Jay from In Between Us. Yeah, Jay from In Between Us. Yeah, that actor is in Orphan and
0: Fifty Five. Oh, so he
1: is. He's oh. got the green hair. Ah, oh, completely forgot. And it's it's clearly a wig. And uh-huh. he's got a kid who clearly has a green wig on. And they're like, it's one of those things where you didn't have to put him in that wig. But the fact you've put him in that wig, Makes all I'm looking that. at is going, oh, that's a wig. Yeah. And it's supposed to be real hair, but I'm like, that's just a wig. It takes you out of it. It looks silly. So when there's serious stuff going on, you're just like, oh, but it's kind of stupid. You
0: know? Yeah. I mean.
1: And a lot of the bad guys have stupid names like Peting.
0: Oh, Yeah. The, the main
1: uh, villain of season 11, Jody Whitaker's first series, Tom, is called Tim, Tim Shaw. T- Tim Shaw. I, is that supposed
0: to be a joke or something? Like, I really don't get it. This big man... Yeah, because his his, his, his
1: original name's like... Jim Shaw. Jim that, And then they're like, oh, Jim's Tim Shaw? And then that becomes his name. I googled... And then
0: when... I googled Tim Shaw, thinking like, oh, there's got to be a reference here.
1: Apparently it's just...
0: Um, the closest I got was a guy from America... And in, like, the 40s, 50s, you can dance really well. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just like, is this... It's, it's is a this the, that, clearly. I mean, is it, though? I mean, because this guy who danced in America, he didn't put teeth on his head or anything, you know? He wasn't, <laughs> like, a predator. Um, but oh, speaking of predator, um, can we still talk about... We can still talk about the first episode. This is still our first impressions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did like the villain... I think that's the one thing I kind of did. Like, I think it was quite a cool. I mean,
1: cool. I like we, the actor. Who I is like the look? Who is the actor? I don't know. I don't know his name. Just, I mean, like, I like. Oh, I like right. his Performance. I can. I can look it up. or you tell me your thoughts.
0: I'll. I'll oh, you. Oh, you look it up and I'll tell you my thoughts. All oh, right. Okay. I, yeah. thought, I thought. I thought. I thought you told me you look it up and I'll tell you my thoughts. I. I I'm, <sighs> sorry. I'm sorry. No, I did like it, but then. In one of my notes it said is like the predator is cool and I put the predator is it basically predator I feel it's like pretty much
1: yeah another alien he, that
0: we've already seen
1: because doesn't he um he's like oh I, I have to come to earth to kill someone to prove my leadership
0: weather. yeah I can yeah. take the role of leader and my it, my people and he cheats of course Um it's an
1: actor called um, Samuel Oatley
0: okay does, is From his, what
1: I've seen, he's not been in much. But what he, but is his, his family in Doctor Who?
0: Is his family famous for making notes? That's a terrible joke. I'm sorry. You know Carry I, on.
1: I knew that's what you were going to say <laughs> as well. When you were like, "Is is his family?" I was like, "Oh, he's, he's,
0: why did sure you stop to let me him? speak? If you knew it was going to be because
1: sh- part of me was like, you know what? Maybe he isn't. Maybe he's going to prove me wrong. Maybe I'm judging him too much. Maybe he's learned, but." No. Clearly not, clearly <laughs> not. You'll never it.
0: <Clearly> <laughs> hey Thomas, it's taken me eight or nine episodes to finally have written notes for podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's
1: a good like, point.
0: It's taken me ages to learn how to properly do a podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Um, but yeah, like, so I, I think his performance as a villain is really good. And I think the makeup does, like, I think the design of the villain is good. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know... That's actually it because I was going to say I think his motives are good, and I suppose they are, but I think the way he's, the way he's connected to the story, is very, um, weak. How do you mean? I think because like we were talking about, you know, her first impressions. She's kind of she drops on a train, which conveniently has all the necessary people.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was <laughs> connected that was, to this plot. I know. Um, I don't know whether to mention it now or save it for the companions part. I feel, I'll feel i save it for the companions part, keep it with our first impressions, but continue.
1: Um, and, like, conveniences and stuff like that happen a lot in Doctor Who. Like, um, you know, how did uh the 11th Doctor land in Amy Pond's garden?
0: Yeah. And
1: where, like, the crack in the wall and space and time was. Like, how, how was that the first time he found the crack or whatever? Like, there's, there are, like, elements of coincidence, but this is such a big coincidence where literally every person connected with that plot is, is there. all on the train. Literally... This is a huge TARDIS team. It's the biggest TARDIS team they've introduced all in the one go. Mm-hmm. Like, in season one, we got Rose, then we get Captain Jack later on. So there's still, like, four of them but you get introduced to them bit by bit. Mm. Um, Like with Mickey as well included. Yeah. Um, And even though they only have like an episode together or whatever. But like same with uh, Rory and Amy. Like you have a couple episodes with Amy that they bring Rory on. It's gradual. Yeah, yeah, they have a couple episodes with River Song. Like um, they do stuff for the introduced. They let you get used to a character before adding another character Mm -hmm. on top. Whereas this one, they were like, his four main characters that all have to be developed at the same time as the Doctor. Yeah, I mean, because of super that, rushed. The Doctor, yeah, the Doctor takes a backseat, mm-hmm. and I think it's such a shame because as the first female Doctor, there's a lot you could do with that. You could lead into more feminine um, character types because the Doctors mostly had like masculine coded character types. He's either been a romantic hero mm-hmm. or an old Man. grandfather <laughs> figure. Mm-hmm. and are kind of like a big man-child. But they don't, like, you know, they they could have made her, like, um, not that they should have done this, but they could have made her, like, a seductress, like characters like Poison Ivy or Catwoman, which I think would be a bit too much for the Doctor. Especially, but it's a, it's, yeah. It's a feminine-coded character trait. Mm-hmm. Or they could have made her a more maternal figure, make her, like, the a mother to the universe. You know? That would be nice. That would be sweet. Yeah, you know, they could have done stuff like that, but they don't lead into any of that kind of, you know, they don't actually have anything that makes her necessary to be a woman, Mm-mm. which, you know, is good because at the end of the day, like, it doesn't really matter. But considering this is the first female character or the first female actor playing this character, it would have been nice to see how that character responds to now being a woman. Yeah. And you don't get any of that.
0: Absolutely. Because I think, I feel now after having, well, ever since Christopher Lackerson, we had one, two, three, four. This is our fifth one? Yeah? Ever since uh,
1: Christopher I, su- I suppose we've also had John Hurt's War Doctor.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. So the sixth one. And I feel that in the writer's mind, the Doctor has to be crazy. He has to be energetic. And that's what they kind of stick to. It's just upsetting. Like, like I, you mentioning the like the mother of the universe or like a seductive; these are cool things to do with the doctor and change it and make it brand new and keep the audience interested. But I feel because, like you said, there were large. You
1: could have made her cold. You could have made her a bit meaner. You could have made her yeah,
0: different. I've, I've written here as a different, like a change, a darker doctor. You know, a bit, bit more like Christopher Eccleston, where he's like, oh. uh, where where she's a bit more brutal. A wee bit more quick-witted and just mean to her companions, maybe. You know, just something different instead of the energetic, I'm the doctor, I know everything. Um, I feel they would have been better if they did
1: that. Off the back of that, since we both seem fairly... um, found her first um, episode a little disappointing and her character initially a little disappointing, Mm -hmm. out of the episodes you've seen... What would you say is your favorite? Not including season thirteen. Not including. We can talk about that later.
0: Okay. Um, I would have to say. Um, I'm just having to think. I generally think episode six of season one, um, where the demons of Punjab. Yeah. Yeah. And also uh, that episode with uh, the lonely Cyberman, like, the first time we see that character. Those two the episodes. The of the Villa Diodati. Yeah, those two episodes. I, I, those are my favourite. Um, and funnily enough, they're both history episodes. You know, they're both in the past. Um,
1: yes, they are.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'll go into later about that. But, yeah, those are my two favourite ones. Um, because I like the aliens in uh, Demons of the Punjab. I thought they were really cool where you think at the beginning oh like oh they're killing all the people but then the twist at the end is like no they're just they're just looking after the people that die alone and I was like oh that's that's really cool you know we haven't really hmm. seen that and they do look terrifying when you first see them going like oh what the what's their what are they up to um, and then it's so like towards the end um, when spoiler alert where the husband gets killed and they just appear like don't worry we'll we'll look after him we'll, we'll respect him I was like oh that's That's really cool. And I also like the history behind that, like the episode that it was set in. Um, I thought we could have gone a wee bit more of the history, but uh, I'll save that for later. Um, Other things I liked about that episode? Uh, I think that's pretty much it. I I did like the family drama thing, um, and that was cool to witness in that episode. But that's from that episode, Mm. episode six. Uh, Do you want me to go into my other one, or should I listen to your favourite episodes?
1: Well, I think your other uh, favourite episode is also one of mine. I'm a big fan of The Haunting of Villa Diodati as well. It's a good one. Fun fact, fun fact, I've been to the Villa Diodati. Have you actually? Yeah. Why? It's, it's, uh, I went uh, travelling. Was um, the doctor? <laughs> that's the most hipster. That's the most hipster fucking statement, isn't it? I was uh, traveling on my gap But here. that's that's what they say um, in Doctor
0: Who. Is like, oh, I've just been traveling. So maybe you're trying to make a wee reference <laughs> to the show there. Nice, nicely done um, there. I'm
1: impressed. But I, I actually, I actually went because of, I, because of this, because of the story of Frankenstein, because that's where um, it was written. And I was in the town that the vi- the villa was in. And I thought, oh, I'll go have a look. I bet it's like a a tourist attraction because it's like a semi-famous story and it's literally just someone's house <laughs> it's like it's like people live there and <laughs> you can go and it's wait all, can you can't rent really it see uh no so people live there oh people actually live it's there. someone's oh. home oh and they've like there's like trees all around it so you can't really see the villa it has villa Diodati on like the fucking plaque of the house but it's all gated up and it's it's um it's not like a tourist site at all. It's like someone's home. So you, you can't like actually visit the Villa Diodati. You can sort of just stand outside it and annoy the neighbours. Is that literally um, all you did? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like, like Oh, this'll be this would be really cool. Oh, it's someone's house. <laughs> this sounds like a
0: great travelling story, Thomas. You you had so much fun on your gap here, going to a house <laughs> and annoying the neighbours. Um
1: but back to Doctor Who. Yeah, um, sorry. I did. I do like that episode. It's it's interesting though because do you know anything about the Big Finish audio dramas? The Finish. The Big Finish audio dramas,
0: like finishes in like the Finland.
1: No, Big Finish is a company. Oh, Big Fin. Oh it's no, called, it's no. called Big Finish. No, um, they're a company who. Uh, have, like, the official license to Doctor Who so they can create audio dramas that, for the most part, are considered canon. Oh, are they? Um, Yeah, for the most part. That's quite cool. If the show overwrites it, then they're no longer canon because the show is, like, the main thing. And there's some interesting things. Um, Back in, uh, I think, like, the 2000s, they did a... I think it was, like, four or five audio dramas where the eighth Doctor went travelling with Mary Shelley. Oh! And they meet at the Villa Diodati the night when she, they come up with Frankenstein, even though I think it was over three nights or whatever. Yeah. And they have a similar thing where I think a Cyberman inspires her to come up with Frankenstein, and then she goes ah. travelling with the Doctor for a few episodes. And clearly those stories are no longer canon. Because of because this episode. this one, Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's it's weird, and they reference it in you know that ep- that mini episode where they brought Paul McGann back the yeah. night of the Doctor.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I think they reference it because he has like a, he toasts to all his previous companions, and I'm pretty sure he says Mary. Oh. and It's a reference to Mary Shelley. That's quite cool. So yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's 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 weird, and I think kind of one of the reasons why, or one of the theories for why there's these inconsistencies. Is they go? Oh well, the, because the Time War was affecting time, it's affected stuff like that. I'm, I'm um, not.
0: I'm not going to lie. I'm really confused with all like the time traveling and history yeah. stuff. But I'll get into I that think later. We should
1: do. I I want to do an episode where we talk about Doctor Who continuity because I think I figured it out. But I'm <laughs> generally interested. Episode.
0: I'm generally interested, because I really like, I'm watching these episodes. I feel like this should be for the later part of the episode, but I just get confused.
1: I I think I figured it out. Grant we'll, we'll get we'll get to it later
0: yeah um I, but I also like that episode uh because it was actually some cool horror, I think you know when um they're getting stuck in like the loop and everything they go through one room and they're back in it, and then there's like weird yeah. ghosts um you know what
1: I find really fun about that episode is you have those ghosts haunting Bradley Walsh. And at the end, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What's with those ghosts then? And they're like, like we talked about, and it like kind of implies that oh no, it might actually have also been haunted at the same time as all the Simon stuffs going on. That's I mean, yeah. really fun. I like yeah. that.
0: I also thought it was quite a funny episode in some parts. Um, don't know why. I think no, I do know no. why. I do know why. Like you know, with the skeleton hand um, and oh, um, Graham's grandson or step grandson, uh, Ryan. Ryan, yeah. Uh, and then like, when he starts choking, and he goes, yep, that's a hand. Like,
1: it was a, there was like some funny moments
0: there. <laughs> um, I think it was,
1: it was definitely one of the better written episodes, I think. Yeah. Like, it, it made use of the characters.
0: Yeah. I also kind of like the cool stakes at the end where um, – and I wish they kind of went more into this where, you know, you have to save this man from the past um, to save the future and everything or you kill him and the future's gone. You know, yeah. the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Uh, it's, it's, it was really cool, but you know that speech the doctor gives, going like, "No, no, we we have to save him, because then it buckers up your future and everything just gets changed." Because they wanted to, yeah. yeah, it's it's cool stuff, and we don't get more of that in other episodes. Um,
1: no, you, you're right. I I do think I do think this is one of the better Britain ones I do think it does have some good character stuff like that mm-hmm. I do think that the um, the foreshadowing for the episode is kind of very like ham-fisted but uh, um, what foreshadowing in uh you watch Prison of the Jadoon right the Fugitive of the Jadoon yeah 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 yeah. the Captain Jack bit where Captain Jack oh like, yes, um, yes 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 don't beware give... the lone yeah side don't
0: give right. it don't give what it yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then when he comes back in the New Year's special, he's like, "I told you to look out about the five Man." She's like, "Well, it's it's fine now." Like it's so. <laughs> it it was clear in after it was clear in afterthought. It was clear like, oh, we're gonna bring Jack back. How do we make him relevant? Make him somehow know about the lone side of a man. Like how? Like it's how did he know about that? It's, yeah, it never gets addressed, does it? Yeah, it's just weird. And if he knew about that, why didn't he do anything? Like, yeah. it's, it's weird. It's one of those things where clearly that's an afterthought. Um, yeah,
0: absolutely. I, uh, speak, still on that topic of that episode, I do kind of like the character of the lonely Cyberman, you know, where he's, like, still half-human.
1: fantastic.
0: And, like, I do like that, how we've seen Cybermen in the past and they just have no emotion, you know, because if they do have emotion, they'd be in pain all the time. Um, whereas this one, you know, he's got... He wants to get revenge, he... He wants to fix things. And it was cool to see that, have a Cyberman with emotions. He's also,
1: like, he's fanatically devoted to being a Cyberman. Like yeah. Like, his family because they wouldn't convert to being a Cyberman. It's, that's kind of he fucked wanted up. to... It's really fucked up. Like, he wanted to convert, but the Cybermen didn't want him. Like, that's never explained. Yeah. Like, why didn't they want him? I think it is interesting. I think that's one of the strengths that uh, Chris Chibnall has is writing villains especially these iconic villains i think he's good at writing the master um
0: did you like the master his...
1: i did like the master okay we'll get into that <laughs> later on um, um but i did like the master even though i have issues with it um i think his daleks are really good i know you've not seen it but at least not for a while but i think the dalek from resolution the first new year's special
0: where it's made out the, of carbor Metal. Yeah, I didn't like that at all.
1: I liked the character though. I think that Dalek was really interesting, and I think the cyber this Cyberman is really interesting as well. I think the Centaurs in Flux. We'll get into that next week. Uh-huh. But I think those were really. I think Chris Chibnall, one of his strengths, is writing classic villains.
0: But do you not remember when they he took the reins of Doctor Who and he said in the first season, like, or he said at the very beginning. We're going to have new monsters. We're not going to use original monsters we've seen in the past. It's all going to be brand new. Then after season one and then New Year's special comes along. it's like, yeah, we're doing the Daleks, Cybermen, Sontarans and everything. Yeah, they're all coming back. They're all coming back.
1: Yeah, true. But the fact that they were doing so well, I don't mind. Like if he'd have brought the Cybermen back, and they were, like, dead disappointing or he hadn't done anything do with them. Like, if it was just Cyberman, if he hadn't done this lone Cyberman thing, mm-hmm. I'd have been like, oh, you're just doing this to kind of get some yeah. fan service points back. Still speaking but about... fact it was done well.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, still speaking about the lonely... Spa... I was going to say the lonely Spider-Man. So, uh, still lonely <laughs> <laughs>
1: Spider-Man. <laughs>
0: now, that that was a great episode. Um... <laughs> so, Peter Parker, what are you doing here? Um I did like that twist, or not really much a twist. It was just a cool wee uh, uh, interaction with um, the female at the end of that episode with the lonely. Um, so I remember when she was protecting the guy who had this uh, the Siberian in him, and she kind of stands up and goes like, "You you must have been loved and everything. You must have had a family." And like I generally, uh, yeah. for, I generally thought for, for a second, "Is like oh is 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 he gonna is he gonna." Switch. He's gonna change, but then you get that big reveal. It's like, nope, I killed them all. Uh, yeah, I, I,
1: that is how you subvert expectations really well because that's a you that's like a trope of these type of stories. They they break through to the humanity, and yeah. I love that he just goes, "Fuck you." I, no, I killed them. The, this isn't your fucking granny Cyberman. Like, I'm here to fucking kill you, cunt. Like, I think it's done really well. It is it is a reveal because it's a reveal that oh, this isn't just a guy who was like semi converted. This is like I said, he's a. Fanatic of the um, what they call the, the Siberian, the Siberian, yeah.
0: yeah. I've just had a question though. Why did he save the baby? You know, when he picks up the baby, and he's like, Oh, oh no, because he wants to bring him, he wants to turn him into a Cyberman. man. Am I right? Yeah, yeah,
1: because they're like, Oh, you um,
0: you saved my baby. Why is it like, because I want to turn him into a siren Why, what else? <laughs> what else was uh, I gonna do? I
1: think, uh. Yeah, I think that is done really well. I think you're right. I think that kind of subversion's um quite fun. Yeah. I also like that he starts reading Shelley's poetry.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was cool. I like that. Something
1: about that I uh I, I really liked. I thought that was some good imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um we should move on to our least favourite episodes now.
0: Oh the list for that's quite long. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah I'm really is... struggling to pick them.
1: I think just pick one or two that are your absolute least favourite um they oh, can be we'll count two parts as the same one
0: i thought the sp- not the spotlight one the sprite the one when in season 12 where the two are in like the first two episodes you know when the master uh, comes it,
1: yeah is that that's your least favorite
0: one of my least favorites because i feel it's just all over the place you know i, um, I
1: i'm a big fan of that story for the first episode And I think the second part really drops the ball.
0: I I think it was in the part two. You know when um, the master takes the doctor and she's in this realm and then she finds, uh, who's that historical person? Is it Ada? Um, No. I think so. Yes. And then I look down at my phone for one second and then they're in the 1800s. What the fuck (laughs) just happened? I was so confused. Also, why is he shrinking people?
1: Was yeah? Is... See, that's that's a callback to some classic Doctor Who. Oh, stuff. is it
0: right? Because I yeah. was I was generally like, this is such a weird master. Why is he wanting to train people? This is the
1: thing because I think you're right. I think Spyfall's also one of my least favorites. I think another least favorite of mine is Kablam, um, which is a, an episode in season the first. I keep going to call it season one. Uh, it's the episode in her first season series. British, mm-hmm. Whoops. Um... <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, Got it. Where basically it's like a, it's supposed to be a satire of Amazon, but Amazon are the good guys. We'll get into it when we talk about the future episodes. I'm um, trying to remember that one. I'm really struggling. It's the one with the um, the exploding bubble gu- uh, bubble wrap. I almost said bubblegum there. Mm. We'll talk. We'll talk about later. We'll talk about, about it later. later. Oh.
0: Talk about it later. Um, but I
1: think you're right. I think Spyfall. Well, actually, you know, I th- I think. But I think the first half of that story is good. Do you want to hear the reasons why I
0: hate? Because you say you, you like it, ha- like, halfway through, but then you still dislike it. Like Yeah. First thing, um, weird that they brought MI6... Is this the first time that they brought MI6 into Doctor Who? Because it's always been Unit and Torchwood.
1: Yes. It, Where... was, it was Unit from, like, uh, season three of the classic... Not season three, sorry. From the third Doctor's run onwards, um, Unit was introduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, the brigadier who created Unit, um, who was like one of the founding members, was introduced in a second Doctor story as uh, just a, a military guy dealing with these um, Yeti creatures in mm-hmm. the London Underground. And then after that adventure with the Doctor, he goes about setting up an organization to deal with aliens, and became a reoccurring character yeah, in yeah. the Third Doctor stories because the Third Doctor was grounded. So since then, they've never had to bring in MI Six and MI Five because mm-hmm. they've just had UNIT. Um, Where did they go? Yeah, UNIT and Torchwood, or Tor- you know, this, Well, Torchwood was kind of dismantled anyway on its own show. Yeah, uh, Torchwood won was in London, and that gets destroyed in the Battle of Canary Wharf. Torchwood 2 was in Glasgow, and it's never been explained what happened to Torchwood 2. They just all disappeared. Torchwood 3 was in Cardiff, and in Miracle Day was destroyed. But Miracle Day's canonicity is kind of up for debate. Right. And I think in the audio dramas, Torchwood is like rebuilt, but it's, like, a small independent organisation of just Captain Jack and Gwen. But I'm not sure how, like, where they fit in the timeline because, obviously, Captain Jack turns up in the new stuff. Yeah, and... this, that's why I was getting really confused because I was like, why are they bringing MI6? Where is Unit? Where
0: is Torchwood? Yeah. Why do not they bring those F- guys in? Fun,
1: interesting thing for next week. Um, Unit are coming back. Are they? Yeah. Because
0: I, I was generally going to say, like, are... Like because I can't remember Peter Capaldi that well because I didn't watch all of his episodes, and I loosely watched Matt Smith. But I was gonna ask like did did something happen to Unit in the previous episodes? That's why they brought in MI6, or was it just like let's do something different? The last
1: time the last time Unit were mentioned or were in the show was in the Zygon two part, um, where we see Kate Stewart and all that. Um, And then they weren't mentioned until the New Year's special, the first New Year's special Julie Whittaker's run, where she tries to get in touch with them, and they find find out that unit's been dismantled. Ah. Um, And then she, like, tries to phone them up, and they're like, our unit's been suspended due to funding because aliens aren't really an issue. Because since Stephen Moffat did Big Bang 2 and rebooted the universe, all the alien invasions of Earth never happened,
0: Oh, I didn't realise that. That's, yeah, that's, that's why really no one weird. knows who
1: the Daleks are anymore. Ah, uh... And there's the thing, the show says this, but never explains it. Because certain characters remember some things, like no. um, John Simms' master returns, and he disguises himself as a character called Mr. Razor for like 10 years or whatever, because he thinks Bill Potts will recognise him because he used to be the Prime Minister of the UK. Yeah, yeah. But when he takes off his mask, Bill Potts doesn't react. And he never asks her. We never find out if she does recognise him, so we don't know if she remembers (sighs) that. It's all weird and vague, and they've never really addressed it. It's lazy writing, that's what it is. Um, Yeah. And it kind of fits together, but because no one's actually talked about it or explored it, you don't know how much of that is... um, is planned or
0: yeah um, whatever. Uh, it's weird yeah uh, going back to that uh, part one episode the other thing I didn't like was like the MI6 gadgets it was very cheesy you know with like the laser shoes um,
1: it was... I also think it's weird that they just give them like boxes of that stuff yeah it's very odd <laughs> also
0: <laughs> what was there like a weird James Bond reference in the show like why because you got um, they got all dressed up to go to the party
1: and it's like the whole episode's a James Bond reference. But why? It's called Spyfall. But
0: why? It just, I, I think, didn't like um, it at all.
1: Um, I think what Chris was going for was the first episode of each season was going to have a title that was a reference to a movie. The Woman Who Fell to Earth is a reference to a film called The Man Who Fell to Earth. And Spyfall is obviously a reference to Skyfall. But why? Um, I don't know the exact reason. <laughs> and I also don't like that it's called Spyfall Part 1 Part 2, but the second part completely abandons the um, spy yeah,
0: yeah. gimmick altogether. Um, I, again, I, I don't know if I should save this for later when we talk about the Master, but th- th- those were other things I didn't like. I didn't like the, um, what was it? Yeah, the, the weird chase at the end. Like, what they were, They're on bikes and they're shooting each other. It's like, I've written, this oh, is yeah. shit, just stop. Um, and yeah. and I was saying like why are they chasing a plane? You know the plane is like it's about to take off, right? And it already when a plane is about to take off, it is going at like incredible speeds. Yet they're oh, all yeah, going they run like, after it. Yeah. <laughs> Graham, who is an old man, is like I can make it. Um, and also, I did not like the reveal of the master at all. Oh, didn't you? Oh, I, I quite no, liked it because right here it's like they get on the plane. And he goes like, oh, I wasn't really a good sprint. I'm not a really good sprinter. And then the doctor goes like, wait a minute. No, 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 no you are. I've, I've read your file. You can sprint. And he goes, oh, shit. Oh, well, time to reveal I'm the master. Ha, ha, ha. You got me. It was just no, a bit weird. I,
1: I think he did that on purpose. I didn't like it. Because when, when the plane's in the air, he, like, points out the plane. And you see his that, TARDIS. Like, yeah. his house is floating. And he's clearly fucked with the, the cockpit. Like, he... He'd done it on purpose. He'd revealed that on purpose so that she would ask. And then he could be like, oh, actually, I'm the master. I do think the the line where he goes, I told you to look for the spy master. Or should I say spy master?
0: I hated that. I really (laughs) hated that.
1: I do like his performance. I do like him as the master. I have a question. He's, He's not my favorite, but I do like him. Is
0: the actor the guy who was in that historical one? Not the historical one, like uh, when they did the
1: 50th anniversary and they did an episode. Yes, he was. He yeah. played one of the producers of the show. Yeah. Why? 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 <laughs> he's just a bit odd. Um, he must be a fan. He must really like the show. Yeah. Like, um, well, he said, I'd assume as much. But I, I like his performance because he's, he's a lot more unhinged. But he's, he's...
0: I take it we're talking about The Master now. We can all say our stuff about The Master. Or are we still oh, talking about God, the least where, episodes? Where? Least favourite episodes? Because I
1: actually hadn't put a thing in for... Um... Well, we'll talk about villains now then, because on... this is going to segue into... Because we've talked about our worst episode.
0: So the worst episodes is The Spy Fly and all the other ones.
1: The Spy Fly? It's Spy what? Fall. I don't care. It's a shit episode. <laughs> no, actually, I think I think my least favourite episode... I oh, think my least favourite. We'll We'll talk about it later on. I've got some thoughts... Oh, actually, I'll talk about Kablam as well. No, because we'll, we'll, I've got some thought. We'll get, we'll get to it all later. There's, of stuff that <laughs> There's I talk too about.
0: much we need to talk about. There's just so much. What was the point um, in having like a, like a synopsis of the show if we're just gonna go back and forth? <laughs> Yeah, it'd be fine. <laughs> this, we'll just keep going. This
1: is this is what we're um, going to talk
0: about. Actually, no, we're going to talk about this. This wasn't in our original plan, but we'll, no, just, but we'll like, just go with it because
1: it all kind of links in. Because there's there's stuff I want to talk about for worst episodes, but I want to save it for historicals and futures. Yeah, yeah, right. Just we'll get to
0: what it. What are we talking about? We're talking about the villains, right? Terminator. Now well. We're talking about the, the Terminator master. films, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're talking no, about okay. Sky. We're talking about Skyfall. Keep on topic.
1: <laughs> um, fucking the master. Didn't like him. In this version, Sasha Darwin's version, I, I think like that reveal was quite fun and campy in like a, a very over-the-top kind of villain way. But I love that he's clearly just having fun, that he's just doing this, which is why I don't like the second part, because you think he's got this really big, elaborate plan when he that he's clearly been working towards. And then like the second episode it's too focused on wanting to celebrate um, women inventors of history or yeah. intelligent women of history because yeah. you have those two women get introduced and then with their combined intelligence they defeat the master. But because they're trying to fit that plot line in, that involves the Doctor travelling back in time. Mm-hmm. So because they're doing that, the companions don't have a lot to do. They just kind of run around and... Uh- Just end up at that hangar. They don't really do much. I think the second part of that story really just goes off the rails. And even the master stops being fun. And there's, like, some weird racist shit going on as well. Is there? What what are you talking about? Like, um, because this actor, he's, like, the first actor of colour to play the master, right? But in this story, he ends up working for the Nazis, yeah, go back yeah, to like yeah, yeah, World yeah. War II and he's got a perception filter on to make them see what they want to see and then the doctor reveals to the Nazis that he's actually a double agent that he's been leaking information and then after she's to say, oh yeah he's a double agent and they go to arrest him she then turns off the perception filter and says now they'll see you for who you really are and oh. oh, and it's, it's oh. weird because she didn't need to disable Ooh. the perception filter they were already coming after him they were already coming after him oh, that's and that weird. line of like now they'll see you for who they really I don't are like that. I don't think that's the doctor being racist but I think clearly it, the writers were like oh let's educate oh, the shit. children Ooh. can you hear that someone going up the stairs no fucking I think my dad was uh, clearing out the fireplace oh. it's gone now um so yeah i think that line to ed- it's, it's it's there's like weird maybe um implications was, there
0: yeah maybe it was to educate the children that you know the nazis didn't like black people
1: but don't do it in like a weird Ah, <laughs> uh, the nazis are gonna get one over you i've disabled your perception filter and now you're gonna get what you deserve like it's just so weirdly done oh uh, just I, I don't know that it made me i also yeah. don't like the fact that they imply that the master has been living on earth
0: yes, since the 1940s. Yes. i i don't get it i don't <laughs> get it i i that, i think that's the reason why i didn't like these two episodes because it was just so confusing and i was like what are you doing master and also when he's in australia and the doctor goes and the, the doctor says oh I, i've met him once um it's like how how do you, how, how do you know this person and you don't realize it's the master and um, because when you go to his house He's got all this tech and everything. And you know when the spy people, this, the white spotlight bad guys, what are they called? The aliens. They turn up to his house.
1: I can't remember the weird it, dimensional people. Yeah,
0: they turn up to his house. And then he's got like this weird hmm. force field thing, you know? Shouldn't she be going like, hang on a minute. How how do you have that technology? Huh? This this it's a bit weird, you're you're a spy you're an, no no no, you're not a spy, you're an analyst how the fuck do you have a weird force field round your house and it's just weird I didn't like, there was plenty of opportunities to go like, this seems off
1: yeah and clearly like I don't know I I, I like some of the idea, I like the fact that they clearly, cause Q being the science guy in um, James Bond films and books and stuff and the doctor also being a sciencey person. Clearly they were like, Oh, it'd be fun if Q and the Doctor could interact. So let's write our own version of Q. Call him O and then we can have a fun reveal that it's the master. Clearly that's kind of like the fun shit they're going for. But it doesn't work when you immediately abandon your spy premise. Absolutely. Because like the idea of that oh they're alien spies, this is espionage tactics and they're spies from another like species. That's interesting, but they clearly hadn't fully figured out what that story was. And then to add in fucking Lenny Henry. That was random. Into the Premier whole guy. Like, I Yeah, know. like as like a weird Elon Musk who hates his mum. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, why are you adding that character? It was just,
1: it's too many storylines. It's too many ideas. I I kind of switched off and at I that And I think point. That, that's a reoccurring, that's a reoccurring issue. We've... Completely swapped from going from uh, villains to just this episode again. Let's move on to villains. Let's talk about the villains before we talk about the companions. Yeah, who's your favourite villain?
0: Tim Shaw.
1: Is he actually? Yeah,
0: <laughs> Tim Shaw. and um, because he's kind of cool. I like him. I think it's generally because he he reminds me of the Predator. Um, and then then I think is this the yeah, first fair. time? Is this the first time in like the first episode of a Doctor? an alien that appears in the first episode then appears in the last one. It's like, he's like the main villain. Has that ever happened before? No.
1: Um, I'm trying to think. Don't think so. Maybe, no, I, th- I think this is the first time. This yeah, first so time. I
0: did like that. I thought that was cool. I thought the finale of that episode with him, it was nice to see him back, you know, and like he's now, he's, he's using the oaks. Is it the ox people? The, the, ba- ux. the Ux. The um, And they now worship him, and he's like a god, and he's like, this is what I wanted. I can now control the universe and bring Earths together, and ha ha. I thought it was cool. I actually liked him. I've actually written Ted Shaw is cool. I like him.
1: His name's Tim Shaw, but. Tim. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's t- like actually like Z- Zim Shaw. Zim Shaw? Zim Shaw. Like but, but then I think it, it's kind of like you know how Marsha Manhunter's name is Jean Jones, but everyone calls him John Jones. I'm just I gonna think s- its like that y-
0: yeah, I knew that. I didn't just learn that just now, like I totally knew that
1: oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zim Shah, that's his name,
0: Zim Shah, anyway, I like him, I also like the Lonely Cybermen, and um, they're they're my two
1: go to like ah, nicely done, see, see this is the problem, right i. My favorite stuff of this era is actually like the stuff we're gonna talk about next week. So trying to think of favorites from this era is difficult, like of like season eleven and twelve. But I do, I really like the Dalek from Revolution.
0: I don't. He's a, he's a tin man. He's it's a called. tin man.
1: But he's like, I like that they did something new with the Dalek. I like that he possessed that woman. Yeah. I like that he seemed a little more emotional because I think that's what Chris Chibnall's done is he's taken these usually emotionless villains and make a lot more emotion into them um and i do i really like this master however i do not understand where he fits into the master's timeline
0: i was going to ask that like are we to ignore all the previous masters this was another question i was going to ask how are we to watch this show are we to forget all the previous doctors are we to f- pretend that this is?
1: This is the thing. This is one. This why is the biggest oh. issue I have. Is that this show, especially season twelve, relies on so much previous knowledge, but at the same time ignores... it, ignores. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The uh, Jadoon episode. Lovely which I think to we see them talk about. Yeah, lovely to see them. But they break a lot of the rules that the Jadoon had because they are police for hire, mm-hmm. but they have no jurisdiction on Earth. That's why they had to take the hospital to the moon the last time yeah
0: but this time this they... one they're just
1: on earth yeah and they kind of reference it but no one turns up like it's not like the shadow proclamation turn up and they're like what the fuck are you doing piss off yeah they don't really address it um i also think that like stuff like um the master mm-hmm. which it's a common issue as well Stephen moffat did it he brought davros back for the opening 2 part of season 10 i think it was mm-hmm. no season nine but didn't explain how, how he survived. Davros survived. It's
0: really confusing. I don't know how to watch them. Like I, Yeah,
1: and I... this episode, I think originally there was going to be a written line where um, he references Missy. And it was going to say, Missy wanted to join you. Um, I'm not going to make the same mistake or something. Because I think, I think there's like, there's more of an argument to be made that the master's psyche is a bit more fractured where he sees his different regenerations as different people, Mm -hmm. Um, which is explored. I think in like other, cause there's multi master stories in big finish. Um, There was one big finish story where they got characters like um, the John Sim master, Missy, the master from the uh, TV movie uh Derek Jacobi the guy who played him in um you know Professor Yana Mm -hmm. so they have like a story where they all meet up and they all interact with each other and I think there they sort of explore the idea that they're different people a little bit because they're not numbered the master's timelines a little all over the place so instead of being like the, the first master the second master it's usually the Saxon master the war master missy Mm -hmm. you know they give them different titles different names it's just confusing Um, i don't like it but i it's it's you sounded like such a child there (laughs) (laughs) but this is the thing but this is the thing is it a children's show and i think yeah i think it's it does have a massive identity crisis i think it's why i like series 13 the most because it seems to have figured out its identity a bit more
0: i need to get around to watching um, it
1: are you sure the microphone isn't picking anything up,
0: mate? I would tell you if it
1: is. <laughs> okay, good. I'm just really paranoid because it sounds really loud from my point of view. Um, I think um 'cause season 13 seems to have the the most um, the least identity crisis. It seems to have figured itself out. Seems to know what type of show it wants to be. But anyway, this is all off track. The master, this version of the master. If it takes place after Missy, it sort of um, defeats Missy's character arc. Yeah. Missy had a really nice arc where she was a villain who became a hero. Yeah. Or not a hero, but at least kind of a hero. She sort of rejects her evil nature and bringing John Simms' master as a representation of who she used to be, Mm -hmm. literally, and that she chooses to walk away from that was a really nice sort of conclusion to her character. I think that was done really well. And if this is a post-Missy Master, then it sort of makes that character arc redundant. And I think they refused to say he was a post-Missy Master because they, um, they didn't want to like actually say, oh yeah, well she was a good person, but now she's gone bad again. But at the same time, the Doctor, upon learning that oh, is the master, immediately is like, well, you're a fucking cunt, aren't you? You're an evil fucking prick. She's never like, hey, when you were Missy, you were on the verge of being good. Why don't we try and do that again? She instantly goes to, you're a villain, I need to stop you. So is that... I think that's the worst part of that character, is the fact that, yeah, okay, this master could be before Missy, mm-hmm. but the fact that the doctor treats him like, like a big... you're just a villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes everything she's learnt with Missy redundant.
0: Yeah, this is why I'm so confused on like, how to watch it. It's just, I have so many questions. Also, like,
1: in the, in the first time we see,
0: like, in the two-parter, ma- the Master's wanting to kill the Doctor, yes? No. Who knows? This is, this I think like, so. But then afterwards, like, there's opportunities to kill her, and the, I don't get it, man. I don't like the Master. He, one thing, though, about the Master, he reminded me a lot of the Joker,
1: yeah, I think they've They've made him a lot more emotionally unstable and a lot more erratic, yeah. which I kind of like because it. I think there's, because he's a villain and because his timeline isn't as distinct, I guess, writers feel like they can change him up a lot more than writers can feel they can change up the, the Doctor. Because I think if you put Sasha Darwin's master, Missy and John Simms' master all in the same room, they are very different personalities. Absolutely, well, I think yeah. if you put Matt Smith and um, Jodie Whitaker's doctors together, they've got very similar energy.
0: Yeah, it'd be too much. I would actually have to stop watching if that happened. <laughs> I would, I would just like, I can't. Too much for me.
1: I think, I think it would be quite interesting to see David Tennant, Matt Smith, and Jodie Whitaker together because I think. David Tennant's Doctor would be more like the dad to two hyperactive kids. I think that dynamic could be fun.
0: Oh, there was something I wanted to mention about Jodie Whitt- Ge- Whittaker's Doctor as well. That I've just suddenly remembered. Can I say it? Go for it. You know how she's all very energetic and very cheesy in, like, for the season yeah. one? And then you get to season two, and when you realise, spoilers, that the Master has destroyed Gallifrey, she... Becomes a wee bit dark and a wee bit, you know, brutal and like, oh, I'm shy. Mm. It feels weird because she's in the first season, she's all energetic. And so when she tries to be dark and serious, it seems unnatural. That's what that's what I felt when I was watching it. it Just felt a bit
1: odd. I kind of saw it more as like a progression or actually maybe not a progression, but a regression, because I think. In my head, the reason why Jodie Worker's doctor is so hypergenic and whatever is because after the Peter Capaldi era where he, he is old, he, he subconsciously, it's implied, became an old man again because he'd lived for hundreds of years on this one planet. So he felt old. Mm-hmm. Because he'd been in the one place for so long, he felt old. So he regenerated to an old man to reflect that. And then he rediscovers Gallifrey. He sort of reconnects with his past um through that planet and then the master i think he was like i want a fresh start i want to be young again i want to be like full of energy i've i've corrected all of my sins from the time war so i want to move on from the time war and do something else
0: mm-hmm. be
1: someone else which is probably why judy whitaker doesn't really talk about the time war that much like her doctor at least yeah she but can. then yeah but then when uh she discovers that the Masters destroyed Gallifrey again, mm-hmm. which I wish they'd explore more.
0: I was really confused. Um, I was like, haven't we seen this before?
1: Yeah, I it, I thought there was going to be like a, a big reveal that he actually hadn't done it because I thought they can't just destroy Gallifrey off screen again the second time in 10 years or whatever. But no, that's what they've done. Um, <laughs> okay. They have, <laughs>
0: they have no uh, creative bone in their body.
1: Yeah, but the fact that um, the fact that she did get that little bit darker, I like to think of it as, oh, all that trauma she went through of the time war is starting to bubble back up to the surface. Okay. <clears throat> I, but again, I don't know how much of that is intentional and how much of that is just that just so happens to line up
0: yeah know? yeah absolutely I, I just it just felt a bit unnatural when you've seen her so hyperactive and it's like oh no my my place is gone my, my home's gone uh. Um no
1: i think the reason why her darkness in season 12 feels so um forced is probably because it's written into the show really fast. there's a couple times that season where they go You've been in a mood and she goes, No, I've not and that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I know I know what you're referring to. I Which I think that. is a good time, a good way to segue into what do we think of the relationships? Before we talk about the characters themselves, what do we think about the what do we think about the relationships between the companions and the doctor?
0: <sighs> We've seen it all before, no? Like it's the same sort of relationship where they know nothing. And they're literally there so that the audience understands what the hell the the doctor's doing, you know, and all the big shit. Um, Like, it's just the same old stuff. I thought their introduction was a bit off. Oh, no, still talking about um, the relationship with the doctor. I get carried away here when I've got so many notes, Thomas. It's weird. It's weird (laughs) having notes. Um, Yeah, like, at the beginning, this is one thing that I noticed. Like, at the beginning, uh, when the doctor meets the companions and everything, they're clueless, yeah? They know nothing. Yeah, They're like, what are you doing? just doesn't make sense why you're doing that. And then I noticed in the Cyberman episode, you know, when... um, Just after we... have After, like, the Frankenstein one, you know, the horror house. Oh, the
1: essential of the Cyberman.
0: Yeah, yeah. And they're walking in with, like, gadgets that the Doctor gives them. And then the the humans there are going, like, oh, what's this? And then the companions are like, oh, it's it's a force field thing. Like, they know... So much now, and I don't know if it's like a common thing with the companions. Like once you start traveling with the Doctor, they all then start to understand the shit that's going on.
1: Yeah, I I think that happens a lot. I mean, if you look at the Russell T Davies era companions, Martha joined UNIT, Mm -hmm. Uh, Rose Tyler joined Torchwood in the in that parallel universe. They took they they took their experiences and applied that to protecting the Earth. I think that that I I buy that. I think if it got to that episode and they were still completely clueless, they've kind of done a bad job as being companions. Yeah. And by that point, they should be kind of in tune. At the same time, though, because as much as that shows development that they've learned all this stuff, I feel like this is the weakest team, the weakest TARDIS team, because I don't think any of those companions have an actual personal relationship to the doctor how do you mean if you look at all the previous companion relationships with the doctor mm-hmm. the doctor meets them and has a one-on-one uh, adventure with that companion oh I rose, see. yeah i see what you mean see what you mean yeah like it rose was called rose because we were seeing the doctor through her point of view and we got to know the doctor through rose but we also got to spend a lot of time with the doctor on his by himself we still got to know him as a person but we got to know him specifically through rose and because of that we got to see her relationship with him Mm -hmm. her relationship with christopher eccleson's doctor is much more father and daughter yeah and and then that evolves into something more romantic when he changes because even though he's not um actually younger he looks younger yeah and uh, there's stuff you can say that like oh that was done subconsciously, so that they could be closer together. Whatever bullshit doesn't really matter. But when he changes, their relationship changes from a father-daughter relationship. I mean, it already changed by the end because he kissed her. Yeah, whatever. I was going to say a father-daughter relationship yeah. where they make out. <laughs> it's
0: a bit, a bit odd. But today.
1: they, it, it sort of it changes during the World War Two episode, kind of um when the they're dancing. Dancers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that whole episode is about sex and fucking and shit. And that's the first time they actually introduce a romantic element to their relationship. Um, I think after Father's Day, the relationship changes. But the point is, there is a relationship there. Same with Clara and Matt Smith's Doctor. Same with Clara and the 12th Doctor's Doctor. Um, They have a one-on-one personal relationship, which is usually cemented by the fact that them two go on on an adventure together and learn stuff about each other. But because there's three companions in that first episode. There's, of yeah, period, there's way too many people. She doesn't actually get to know any of those people on a personal level. And at the same time, she doesn't do anything, in my opinion, that would make those characters want to go with her traveling across the universe. In the first episode. They
0: get they just get brought along with her because of the. they get,
1: Yeah. And Grace dies. Yeah, that felt a bit odd. I didn't like that. Which I suppose was done, and I, it, it's kind of like—have you seen the Taika Waititi film *Hunt for the Wild People*? No. Um, it's a really good film where I won't spoil it, but basically, um, you're trying your this, very best this, not to spoil it. <laughs> yeah, this reluctant father and son—it's like a—it's like a adopted son—end up going on an adventure together because. The person who brought them two together is no longer in the picture.
0: Mm.
1: And it's these two people. It's the same with God of War. Ah, Um, right. That kind of relationship where you've got a reluctant father figure who is forced to have to look after a kid because the person who would usually link them together is gone now. Similar thing here, except Graham wants to be the father figure and it's Ryan who's pushing him away. And the only reason why them two spend any time together at all is because of Grace and removing Grace and forcing them to together does make for interesting character stuff. But at the same time, the fact that Grace died not because of the Doctor, but kind of because of her inaction maybe, at no point do the companions ever go, you killed my grandmother, fuck you. There's no conflict there. No. And then immediately in episode two, that cliffhanger at the end of the first episode they're just stranded in space because of the Doctor.
0: Mm-hmm. You would be and, yeah, they off. get rescued.
1: Yeah, a spaceship turns up, picks them up. They go on an adventure, and they get back home. But they almost died because of her, and at no point does that ever come up. So I'm watching those first few episodes, and I'm like, if I was those companions, I wouldn't want to travel with this woman because she keep, she's gotten one of my family members killed and almost got me killed. I wouldn't want to do that. So not only do they have not have a relationship, she's actively putting out reasons to not travel
0: with it's her. like, the, the, these are the list of reasons why you shouldn't... And plus, I swear, like, we've seen in the past, especially with David Tennant's one, where he's like, I, I can't have any companions because I, you know, um, I ruined their lives, you know. R- Rose got taken away from Earth. She lives in a parallel Earth. And Donna got her memory wiped. And Martha's family was put in danger. And then, like, every new doctor, like... I can have another companion. So I, that's the one thing I get, always get a wee bit confused. Because... I, I
1: understand it with David Tennant, though, because this actually comes up in the 11th hour, kind of, where, because um, in the end of time, he says to Wilfred, I was travelling on my own, I thought it'd be better, I thought it'd be safer, but, I, I, you know, I, I did some things that went wrong. And then in Matt Smith's first episode, when he's talking to Emmy Pond at the end, inviting her to come along, he addresses the fact that he was travelling on his own and he realises that he... He needs companions with him. But it actually, like, that follows on. They explain why he changed his mind. And I think that, like, that kind of... It sticks around throughout the show. But when we get to Jodie Whitaker's Doctor, when the companions come with her on the adventures, I don't get the sense that she actually (laughs) likes these people. (laughs) I feel like she's only inviting them because they're literally the first people she met Literally, it's because I
0: also find it really weird how in the first episode, um, like Ryan and the police officer lady, what's her name? Um, Yaz. Yes. yes. you know, do they need to know each other prior to their the doc- meeting the doctor? Do they need to know each other from school?
1: I think it helps because it establishes that like there is some previous history there. They don't have to get to know each other. They can just already have the prehistory. But just because they say they knew each other, I don't get the sense that they do.
0: No, no.
1: (laughs) When they first meet, do you remember that bit where she's like, oh, my God, did you go to whatever school? And he goes, oh, my God, yes. Like, I thought, oh, he's taking the piss. He doesn't actually know who she is. And they start talking about stuff. I'm like, oh, no, they they are actually do." That was just a bad delivery. It's a very bad
0: delivery. It's just, it's it's very odd. Um, I don't know why Graham is there. He's another guy. I,
1: like, he... I actually think, and I don't know if this is true, but part of me feels like it was done for a bit of tokenism. I think part of them thought we can't just have a young Pakistani girl and a young black lad be the companions. We need to have a white guy in there. No. So we'll get like a famous comedian and we'll have them there. And if they're kind of old, we can have jokes that people think he's the doctor because that keeps happening yeah that's that, yeah. the authority um but i i don't think you need him i think you could have very easily just had it be Ryan and Yaz Absolutely. make them like a young teen like a young couple cuz they kind of imply that they're they're into each other a well, little bit through well,
0: not really season but, 11 not really cuz then later on isn't Ryan asking for Yaz's sister's number
1: it's yeah it's There's a couple lines of dialogue where you think, oh, are they going to have, like, a romantic thing? Because they're, like... They're not flirty, but they're, like... There's, like, little things where you're, like, oh, is this one of those will-they-won't-they things? And I think they very quickly abandoned that. Well, Um, you know what I thought... Because there's a line where... Sorry, just quickly. Yaz says something like, oh, I snuck out of so-and-so's room one time when I was younger, whatever. And then he goes, "Oh, he was punching well above his weight." And she's like, "Oh, you gave me a compliment." And he's like, "No, I didn't." And like, stuff like that happens.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: And I think that at some point in the writing process, they're like, "We should make them a couple," and then they just went, "Nah, fuck it, that's just not."
0: You know what? I, I was watching the the the. the, the, the... Yeah, nah, nah. <laughs> Can we just end Go the podcast? On, have another crack? Can, can we? Can we end the podcast there? I don't think I can carry on. Thomas, we've reached, we've reached my limit. I just can't.
1: Go. On, have another crack. What are you going to say? Just getting
0: the. Um, I've forgotten. What was I going to say? Um. Oh, yes, <sighs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, That's yes. It. yes. Um. I thought when I was watching that Doctor Who, oh my god, my mind's really gone. The the da- fuck, fuck. come on, <laughs> the Dalek New Year one. Yes, the one where the Dalek is. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, what are you gonna say? Get to your point. Is it not weird
1: flirt like? Do you not think Yaz and the Doctor are gonna get off? This is this has been a. I thought this was where you're gonna go. Yeah, um, this has been like a common fan theory are like what what what's it called shipping when people want two characters to get together
0: it's shipping yeah like how some people um yeah
1: yeah um I, that's like a common thing where people want them two to get together and i think it all starts because in the episode of rachnids in the UK um Yaz's mum says to cuz she meets the doctor and all that yeah, she's yeah, like yeah. Are you two seeing each other and the doctor's like, I don't know, are we? And Yaz doesn't go, no, I'm not into girls. She just goes, moving on, and kind of ignores it. People went, oh, is she open to it? Oh, that would be good. And there is a scene in the first episode of Flux where they they escape a thing, they land in the TARDIS, and they end up landing on a mattress. And the mattress is set up with like blankets oh. and stuff in oh. the console room of the TARDIS. And people oh. saw that on Twitter, and everyone was like, oh, my God. Do they have a bed together? <laughs> have they seen each other? Everyone freaked out. And I think it was done as part of the escape plan. But I think, one, I think them two, in season 13, we'll talk about this next week in more detail, but I think one of the stronger points is the fact that they allow an actual relationship between Yaz and the Doctor, not in like a romantic sense, but there's an actual connection because it's just them two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because Ryan and Graham leave, so because it's just them two, you get to see more of their relationship with each other. And I think if Yaz was a man or the Doctor was a man, they would one hundred percent do a romantic relationship with them. And I yeah. think the fact that it's two women is the only reason they're not doing it. Or they're hesitant to... no Oh yeah, because there's no reason why they wouldn't. Because they are like a little flirty with each other in some scenes, mm-hmm. and. Everyone, I say everyone, but a lot of people who watch the show and like the show, like the current era, they all want it to happen.
0: So why not do it? But they won't
1: do it. Just do it. I think it's purely one of those political things. Mm. You know my one thing uh,
0: about Graham that I thought was really funny? And I I do find this really funny and really random. But you know in the finale of season 11, uh, when they see... Tim Shaw or Shim Shaw, whatever he's called. And the doctor and Graham have, like, have a, have a little one-to-one. And he goes, like, all right, th- this is the man who killed my girlfriend or my, you know, my, my partner. I want to get revenge. I'm, like, I will kill him. And the doctor's like, no, no, you, you, you can't do that. Like, you're, just go back to the TARDIS. I don't want you doing anything silly. He's like, no, 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 I, I can stay and, like, help out. But I'm just letting you know that I want to get revenge. It's like no, no, no. You're better than that. Anyway, on with the mission. It's just like, you, <laughs> yeah. you know, like this guy has literally said I'm going to kill him, and she goes like No, no, you're better. Anyway, let's 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 go. Let's go. Thanks for telling me though. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, it, I, it just felt
1: I, a bit weird. I think there's also I think part of that episode there's a bit where the way they get rid of Tim Shaw is they trap him in like suspended animation. Where he's conscious, he can't die, and all he can do is reflect on his life. And part of me thinks that's worse than just killing him. Yeah. Like the doctor's like, no, 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 you can't, you can't kill them, but you can just make them, you can just trap them into you can torture them all of it. It's like the Arachnids episode, the Arachnids in UK episode. Uh, One of the there's a character there who's clearly supposed to be a Trump allegory. Oh, absolutely. And. There's a, there's a bit where they're like, can't we just shoot the spiders? It would be quicker and more humane. And the the doctor's like, I don't use guns. So what they do is they trap them in a room, a panic room, and just leave them there to suffocate. And that's <laughs> how they die. And it's like the doctor doesn't just not use guns. The whole, that's not like part, it's clearly, this is the problem, right, with the writing, where it's people who don't know, enough about Doctor Who because mm-hmm. none of the people who worked on that first season um, were science fiction writers. They weren't? Um, no, they all worked for like soaps and oh. ITV dramas and no stuff No wonder like that. it's so shit. Exactly, which is clear. And clearly, I don't think a lot of them were Doctor Who fans or at least didn't know a lot about the Doctor Who history. I, so it's one of those things where they're like, well, the Doctor doesn't use guns so we can't have a use guns. So it's like, no, no, no. The doctor doesn't take lives. She doesn't kill. She doesn't. She tries to help where she can, but at the same time, if you cross the doctor, she'll fucking come for you. The whole point of the family of blood storyline with David Tennant is that this family—they're doing awful things. Yeah. So the doctor comes for them. The doctor will kill if it's absolutely necessary, but you won't just take a life. No, he's. It's a lot more. It's a lot deeper than that. Absolutely. And the fact that these writers don't know that is one of the things that makes the show weak. And it's it's the same and it, it affects the companions because then the companions get underdeveloped because instead of actual interest in um, I can hear you flipping your pages. Seb. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> instead of actual character debate or like them having to make dubious decisions, the doctors constantly portrayed as, like, this upstanding moral beacon who will make no bad decisions. But she um,
0: sometimes does. That are to ignore it.
1: Yeah, the, well, the Doctor makes bad decisions all the time. Time Lord Victorious was all about fucking the Doctor making bad decisions and becoming too power-hungry. Mm, yeah,
0: him. that was a good like, story.
1: the Doctor does have those darker elements and is a flawed character at times, but a lot of this show, this current run, doesn't want to explore that. I think the tusunga conundrum has a bit of that, Mm-hmm. Where the there's there's a part where the doctor's so focused on trying to get their trying to get her spaceship back, the TARDIS, that she like endangers some people at some point, but like it's like briefly and she's immediately like, Oh yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Anyway, moving on. And it's like <laughs> not really that addressed. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, I think we've gone a bit off topic here, haven't we? We really have. What's what, um, what's
0: the next thing we have to talk about? <laughs>
1: Well, is there anything else you want to say about The Companion?
0: Why does Ryan suffer from dyspraxia? <laughs> Why? Why um, is that brought in whatsoever? It's brought in at the beginning of the episode and his last episode. Why is it needed? It's weird.
1: I, I don't want to sound cynical, but I think it was done to be like, oh, look how, like,
0: broken how- he is.
1: No, I think it was to do. I think it was to do with representation. I think they were like, "Look, he's he's not just an, another black companion. Or this one's disabled." It felt very yep. cynical like that because he doesn't have any kind of character development with it or arc. No, and the very last, like the first time you see him, he's struggling to ride a bike,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the very last time you see him in the show, he still can't ride a bike. He falls over. He never gets that. Clo, uh, not closure, but he never like accomplishes the one thing he's set up that he can't do, and plus the dyspraxia thing barely ever gets mentioned.
0: Well, that, that was the thing it's I was going to so say. If
1: you're going underdeveloped, to,
0: yeah, like like you mentioned, if you're going to you know want to represent people and you know make him disabled, bring it into the story or something. But they just mention it in the first episode, and then in the other episodes, it's like, what's the point? It's, it's a bit... I'm pretty
1: sure there's there's even an episode I can't remember what it is, but there's even an episode where he says, "Oh, some some tasks are really difficult for me. I get there in the end, but it just means it takes a bit of time." So it felt like the writers going, "He's not he's it's not that bad. He'll get there eventually." <laughs> yeah. And it's like it's it's so half-assed. It's so like, oh, he is he has dyspraxia but we don't want to actually like he isn't blind. He isn't deaf. They didn't actually pick a disability that would be like, not that he, he has to like be missing a leg or has to be in a wheelchair or anything like that. And not they'd be like, Oh, it's not a real disability. I'm not trying to say that, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they picked a disability that the writers could very easily just ignore. And a lot of them do. And I think that does a massive disservice to people who actually do suffer from dyspraxia because yeah. they're not being fairly represented. It's almost as a gimmick. And innit? I think it's, yeah, they've just, it's just something that they've used for, like, almost like a personality quirk. Like, oh, you can't ride a bike, Arch, that's just Ryan. And there's also, like, a weird scene in, like, um, I think it's uh, the very first episode, actually, where Graham says something like, oh, you're going to blame that on the dyspraxia as well, as if he doesn't believe him. Yeah, it's a bit weird. And that weird. never comes up again. It's really, it's really strange. It's really weird. And I think a lot of this is just too many characters, not enough time to develop them. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. They, it's, it's poorly written. Um, that's my final thing on the companions. Anything else you'd like to add? No, I think we should move on. Yeah, I have one thing that's been on my mind ever since the first episode, is the sonic screwdriver. Now, I remember in David Tenning, Christopher Eccleston, era, and... I think just those two doctors. The sonic screwdriver could only do so many things. It can unlock doors, fix computers, and that was pretty much it. Now, it can do pretty much anything the doctor wants it to do. And I don't like it. I think they've ruined the sonic screwdriver and made it to, oh, I'll just whip out my sonic screwdriver and it will fix everything.
1: It it kind of became that a bit in the David Tennant run. I think... Like, there's a, there's a point where David Tennant uses the sonic screwdriver to light a candle.
0: Oh, and yeah. Then,
1: yeah, and then uh, Matt Smith uses it to light a torch in the Pandora um, It The, the sonic screwdriver, it kind of just became a magic wand for tech. Literally. Like, he could just wave his wand. At one point, they say, yeah, the way it works is you just point and think. You point and think what you want to do, and the sonic screwdriver does it. I don't like that. And I... So I think the sonic Drive has been a massive problem for Doctor Who for a while. And they will never get rid of it because they can just make a new one for each Doctor and sell new toys. Yeah, they need so it. So they'll always have one. But I do think Jodie Whittaker's Doctor does suffer from a complete dependency on it. I think she uses it far too often. If she, like, more so than the other Doctors.
0: Yeah. If you take it away from her, she is basically
1: useless. And that's the thing. I think... Some of the Doctor's best episodes are episodes where he can't just sonic his way out of it, like Midnight or the... the, Is it Heaven Sent where he's stuck in the confession dial, Peter Capaldi's one?
0: No idea. I think it's Heaven Sent. Okay.
1: And um, the Eleventh Hour, Matt Smith's first episode. Mm -hmm. Episodes where he can't just use a sonic screwdriver to solve his problems, I think are the most interesting. And I do like the fact that Jodie Whittaker makes it in Sheffield, because it connects the actress to the character a bit more by having something built in uh in the area she's from. I think Judy Whitaker's from Sheffield, isn't she? Or from near there at least. She's a shatter. So Huddersfield. No, she's uh,
0: no no no. <laughs> she's from Huddersfield. Yeah, but she that's that's
1: near Sheffield, isn't it? I don't so know. I mean, you'll, you'll... She's northern at least. She's Northern Uh she's she's one of her, she's one of me. Um <laughs> Okay. I'm a northerner. Uh, are, <laughs> um... are you? <laughs> I am. I am, Seb. You know this. You know this. I only. I, I mention it all the time. Um,
0: I'm Thomas and I'm a northerner. <laughs> that wasn't as funny as I thought it was in my head. Um, what were you saying? Do you want to talk?
1: Um, Please, now? I'm sorry, I got distracted. Uh, give me a minute. What was I saying? So I think the fact that, like, I think, I think the fact that she makes it there is interesting. Um, it connects it to the character. I think there's a good parallel to the fact that the Dalek in Resolution uh, makes his Dalek case in, in Sheffield as well. I think it kind of it links the two in an interesting way, which I quite like. However, I, what I don't like is the fact that she makes that sonic screwdriver, which has the same aesthetic to the TARDIS, yet the TARDIS and is it? the screwdriver yeah. are made independently of yeah. each other. That's a bit I weird. I think that's weird.
0: That's very weird. I don't know why they did that. I don't even like the new TARDIS. I think it's very shit.
1: I, I I don't mind it. I like that they went for something a bit more audacious, a bit a bit different. What I don't like is the fact that you never get a full look at it because those stone pillars take up so much of the space Yeah, you never get a good look. When Matt Smith's first TARDIS was revealed, um, well, actually, both of the TARDISes he had, um, when they were revealed, they have those big sweeping shots where you see the whole thing. With Jodie Whitaker's TARDIS, they sort of reveal it bit by bit, so you never get a full look at it. It's gone now. They've dismantled it. Yay. <laughs> um, I, I like it. I don't mind it. I, th- I think it's, it's interesting and unique, and I think every Doctor should have their own unique looking TARDIS true true makes it more Um, personal I just like David Tennant's one way better um yeah actually you know what I don't like about it I don't like the fact that it has it doesn't feel lived in I like David Tennant's and Matt Smith because they had chairs they had like a little coat rack they had um they were like oh yeah there's a corridor there to the bedrooms and shit you felt like people lived there whereas this one because they all stand around so woodenly a lot of the time when they're in the TARDIS, it doesn't feel like they live there. It feels like they're on a bus yeah. or something. Yeah, 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 You know? Um, Could be better. But Yeah. I think we should talk about briefly, since she made The Sonic Screwdriver in Sheffield, we should talk about the episodes that take place on Earth, mostly in Sheffield. What do you think about taking Doctor Who out of London?
0: Um, To be honest, I I don't really care too much, you know? I, oh really? Yeah, I I think personally for me, when it's stuff in modern day, I don't I don't really care about. It. I I enjoy the ones that are in like the future and like a different world. They're um, in the past or like a his, his history moment that we don't really know that much about. But the modern day stuff I get is just a bit boring for me. Like the Dal- like the Dalek ones, for example, the ones that are set both in modern day. Um, there's some things about those episodes that I didn't really like. For example, the Dalek being basically the Tin Man. Um, it's just a bit weird, a bit random. Um, and also, like, the humans there are maybe just a tad bit overpowered because, you know, in the newest Christmas... Not Christmas one, New Year's one, Um, you know, the... Yeah the guy who makes the Dalek because he thinks it's, like, a... You know, to deal with rights and everything. Like, he made that, and it's just like, no, you didn't. And, like, also... (laughs) (laughs) No, you didn't. You fucking didn't make that. (laughs) And then then he finds, you know, like, some organism in it and goes, like, I'll clone that. I was like, how the fuck did you do that? You're a fucking (laughs) human. Just take a chill pill, man. I just... I don't really like the modern-day stuff. I think...
1: I just don't really care too much about it, I feel like you do see i I like the modern day storylines from like the Rusty Davies era, yeah because yeah, a lot of the time a lot of the time those episodes one of the key driving forces is the family. it's mm. rooted to the character's family, mm-hmm. like um the uh the Lazarus experiment yes, um, yes, World War three mm-hmm. and uh aliens in London. Um, episodes that kind of explore the companion's relationship with their family and how the Doctor has affected that relationship. Mm-hmm. And you get a little bit of that in Arachnids in the UK. You get a little bit of that in the New Year's stuff. But very loosely to the point where it feels like the family stuff is there, is like this old... Because the companion's families were never important in the classic era. That was something Russell T. Davies introduced. And it was clearly something that uh, Stephen Moffat wasn't interested in. Yeah, um, I noticed that.
0: That's the a... family
1: stuff with his companions are complete... Like, a big plot point in Season 5, or Series 5, is that Amy Pond's parents were erased by the cracking time. Yeah. Um, and then she gets them back at the end of Series 5, but they never come up again. They're never mentioned again. Even when they get fucking stuck back in the past, they never talk about their family or anything like that. So I think the that was something that Davies was interested in, that... Uh, showrunners who have followed have felt like, "Oh, we have to mention the family because that was something that was part of the brand mm. when it came back." Here's um, the and thing, because though. Because of that, because I feel it. Like, Once because I feel like the the writers aren't interested in it. It always kind of takes a backseat, which means that when they do tell stories set in modern day Earth, they're always less interesting.
0: Yeah. Because the thing I was going to link on, because that's perfectly what I was going to talk about, they're less interesting. And I, I don't think it's because of the writers feeling like, oh, we have to do it. And then they don't know how to do it properly. I generally think is if you like the companions, then you might be interested more. Because I really liked Rose, Martha and Donna. And then so when they brought their families in, they're like, oh, this is cool. We get to know more about the companions. These companions, I don't really give a shit about them. And so when they're in the modern day and you're getting introduced to their family, I'm like, I don't care. Just yeah, I think
1: the only the only family drama with the companions that I've been invested in kind of was Orion's dad, but yeah, because I thought, well, that's interesting that they've because this was something that they brought up in the first episode, and the fact that it's getting a conclusion in this special makes the special feel more part of the main series, and kind of has like some thematic depth. However, it like never gets brought up again. Never the stuff with his dad isn't relevant. After that episode. And I feel like when you're also watching that family drama and like sort of take place and he's having these deep conversations with his dad, while it is compelling stuff, it feels like it's from a completely different show. Because you mm-hmm. have a scene where Ryan and his dad are in a cafe talking about their relationship and it cuts to a Dalek like massacring fucking soldiers. I think this is the
0: reason why I don't like the Dalek ones, because they're just all over the place. They just it just feels unnatural. These I, big baddies and they're only in like these New Year episodes. Like what?
1: Yeah. I think Resolution is better than um, I, um
0: the 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 other one.
1: Revolution yeah, Revolution of the Daleks. I think Revolution of the Daleks, it wastes Captain Jack. Um Yes. Because you know, you have the doctor talking about how she's upset about memories being stolen from her, and Captain Jack had that exact same experience. He had fucking memories stolen from him, and they, he never talks about it, they don't use that to relate. So it's like, well, you've not brought him here to actually have two well rounded characters talk to each other, you've brought him back for the promotion of it. So you can yeah. go, hey, okay, look, Jack's back. That's pretty sure was the tagline to the episode.
0: Yeah, Jack's back, and I don't think anyone really cared. That he was back, um... like it was
1: it was, I was happy to because I, I, I like that character and I'm glad that they brought him back for that bit because I think what I like seeing old companions interact with new doctors I love it I loved it when they brought Sarah Jane back, I liked when they kept bringing River song back, so bringing Jack back, especially since he's a so he can kind of turn up wherever, was really good, but they just wasted that character, and I also think that um that episode was weaker because the Daleks are just so easily dismissed. Yeah. They get beaten in the quickest way. And I hate that the writing of this latest incarnation of the Doctor is just her rattling off techno babble.
0: It's so that much makes exhibition. No sense. So much. I think that's why Fucking... it gets ruined.
1: I th- the worst bit is when she defeats the Dalek in Resolution and if you've not seen it for a while go back and watch the scene when she melts the dalek casing she explains like the exact science behind how this microwave is melting the um dalek yeah and it's just it's just a long rambling sentence and the fucking music's blaring and i'm like what the f- that doesn't what i'm so confused yeah. you compare that to the scene in family of blood um you know when the doctor turns himself human yeah. and then he has to defeat that bit where he goes, oh, you've got all this heat funneling right back into the primary heat converters. And the way he's talking...
0: It makes ...you don't really
1: get what he's saying, but he puts it... Like, that bit where he goes, oh, like, oh, that's bad. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. Like, you get what's happening, not through him explaining what's happening. It's his reaction. His reaction, exactly.
0: Whereas Jodie Whittaker is just so monotone, then you're just like, yeah, that's what happens.
1: She explains everything in the same way. She explains every sentence... With the same cadence, it's always like that. It's. I think that was the one
0: thing I wrote uh, about the show in general. It That, it was, that was my Jodie Worker impression, by the way. It was terrible. Um, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> just, but what?
1: do you see, do you know what I mean? Like, she says all of her lines in the same way. Do, do you know when she's like, uh, yeah. she's these bits, she, it's always, it's not monotone. It's a very specific tone that she, like, puts into all of it when she's explaining dialogue. I think it's why I like her in season... I keep talking about series 13. I like her in series I, I, 13 because I think her dialogue and her the way she delivers the dialogue, it has more variety to it.
0: I think I'm going to have to watch uh, season 13 tonight.
1: I'm going to watch it because you keep on talking about it.
0: And plus, we are it's, talking about um, it next
1: week. Yeah, yeah, you have to watch it by at least next week because otherwise it's going to be a very one-sided conversation.
0: Hey, I, I've learned to have, bring notes. I think I know how to do this podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think of the history episodes and the future episodes? I realize we we've still got quite a lot to talk about, and aren't you under a time schedule? Don't you have work?
1: At um, four, four would be fine if we finish by half four, I'll be okay.
0: Okay, I've got work to do um, myself.
1: Fuck, uh, it'll be fine. Um,
0: what do you think about the history? And modern episodes um, let me take that again, what do you think <laughs> <laughs> uh, what What do you think about like the history and the future episodes, you know, the ones that are set in the past and ones that are set in a different galaxy um, or in the future
1: I see
0: you know, that's it's kind when of you, a, it's. You c- give me your answer <laughs> you don't just wait, you give me your answer no,
1: yeah, it's because it, it's kind of a big thing because I think one of the you see this a lot with this new era. Is people keep saying how oh, Doctor Who's too political these days, and I don't think that's the case. Doctor Who has always been political. Genesis of the Daleks, one of the most popular classic Doctor Who stories, um, is a sort of allegory for um, World War Two. I mean the na- and the-, the Nazis and stuff like that. Yeah, the Daleks are based off the Nazis. Yeah, the, it's always been a political show, but I do think that this. New Stuff More Than Ever has put an emphasis on making sure that their specific message, their specific political message, is the forefront of the story more so than others. I think the writing is less subtle, where you will have a story like um, Boomtown um, followed on from their World War Three stuff. That story was about, it was like a capitalist family. And they're just uh, capitalism's a common theme in Rusty Davies' first series. It's like the motivation for half of his villains is just profit and money. Mm. But Boomtown expl- it, like takes a character who's very one dimensional. Which character? Um like oh uh, the Sladeen woman. Mm. Um I can't remember the Sladeen's names. The the Margaret. The yeah, Margaret. Her actual name's like much oh, longer, no. isn't it? It's yeah. like Velvok Slovene or whatever. I also hate that they keep referring to them as Slavine, but Slavine is their surname. Their yeah. species is raxacorco And I hate that since that series, they keep saying, oh, it's a Slavine spaceship. But it's like, no, that's their family. River. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> i
0: trying try <laughs> to say that casually though. <laughs> oh, look, it's raxacorco spaceship. Oh no, it's the Raxacoricofallapatorius boss. Oh no, it's it's a Raxacoricofallapatorius
1: invasion. It
0: just doesn't roll See, off the tongue. You notes. said it
1: three times. It worked. <laughs> you know
0: that's only because I looked in the mirror and said it five times before doing the podcast. <laughs> I, I I have um, an audio recording of me saying that word, and I just listened just to it just in
1: case you ever need to
0: say it again. <laughs> Raxacoricofallapatorius. Yeah. So anyway, um, about the Raxacoricofallapatorius uh, episode where Raxacoricofallapatorius. Is talking to the doctor <laughs> about you know wanting to go back to Falbatorius.
1: Exactly, but that's the thing. <laughs> it takes that. It takes that one-dimensional character with like a capitalist motive and makes it more three-dimensional and actually puts the character up front in the story. And you also see stuff like um, uh, the long game, uh, my favorite episode title, because it's a tease for the villain of that series. Like the the long game doesn't make. Calling that episode the long game makes no sense in terms of that episode itself because you don't get what the long game is. Do you want to explain your long find game? Out, well, the long game was that the Daleks installed the Mighty Fess, um, to manipulate media, to manipulate the human population, so that they would then be able to convert them into Daleks. Um, That was like the whole point. So calling it the long game is kind of smart anyway, I'm rambling. Um, But that whole subplot of the manipulation of media was exactly that. It was a subplot. It wasn't the main story. The main story was the doctor trying to figure out why humanity isn't as evolved as they should be by that point. Where you look at the current stuff, like, um, uh, for example, uh, Kablam, like I mentioned before. Kablam Mm -hmm. is supposed to be a satire, or it's sort of initially put forward as a satire of amazon uh warehouses Mm, mm
0: -hmm. and
1: the kind of working conditions there and you know customer uh employees getting overworked and it's also kind of like um a uh satire on the automation of menial jobs that you have stuff like you have uh fucking what are they called the little the vacuum cleaners that move what are they called
0: the vacuum cleaners that move, the robotic... The vac- little
1: things the li- the things they have in America, the little discs that, like...
0: Move about on the floor to suck up the, va- the shit. I yeah, think. what are they called? Vacuum cleaners.
1: No, but, like, Thomas, they move they- on their own. Oh, they're called something. We
0: all get what they are. We don't need to... Do you want me to play a <laughs> game? <laughs>
1: um, but, you know, what I mean, there's, like, machines out there that are now doing jobs that used to be done by people, and this episode kind of talks about that, but it's so up in your face that the actual mystery kind of just gets diluted, where the doctor's literally just asking people, hey, do you know what the mystery is? And people are like, no. And she's like, oh, damn. And she moves on to the next person. Hey, do you know what the mystery is? And and it's like, whereas before the story would be first and the message would come second, I do think now, in the modern stuff, the message comes first. We need to write an episode about climate change. We need to write an episode about Amazon workhouses. We need to talk about... Um. Well, not gender. Gender seems to be one of the the fucking key things the current series has avoided. But they're like, oh, we need to uh have an episode about Trump and Trumpism. Yeah. They have all this shit where clearly it's people going right. Amazon wa- uh, warehouses are bad, or we need to talk about how people think about Amazon warehouses because clearly, Clubam um, Klaban, yeah is in favour of them at the end. Um, And even the historicals, they're like, oh, we need to have an episode about how the witch hunts were bad. We need to have an episode about how racism's bad. So they do the Rosa Parks episode, Mm -hmm. where you have a time-travelling racist trying to rewrite history, which is an interesting idea. But because you've got too many companions...
0: It's you You've got not...
1: too many perspectives to follow, yeah, and it's... I think there are some really interesting stuff, but I also think that episode's the weakest because you're taking a real issue like racism as like, oh cool, how will the doctor react to that? Oh, she doesn't. she
0: just does her thing as usual
1: like the like the, the like fucking Ryan gets assaulted by a white guy and he gets called like some racist slurs. And the doctor just watches and is like, oh, we don't want any trouble. She doesn't defend him or anything. She kind of just, like, stands there awkwardly while it's all happening. It's the same with, like, when they're on the bus and Ryan has to go sit in the back. She just goes, oh, sorry, Ryan, my bad. Like, it's so weakly done. And it's... Yeah, I because she is, the... she's an alien, so she should
0: she should be confused to all this.
1: Exactly. And she has no reaction. She doesn't really care she's not like, why are you treating him that way? She's just like, oh, this is the way it is. I'm sorry, Ryan. And it's like, I think the historicals would be much better if they removed the alien and the sci-fi stuff and they had pure historicals. Absolutely. Because you're, you're, like you said before, your favourite's Demons of the Punjab, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Mostly because I was really interested in the history that was going on. I mean, yes, the aliens were cool, you know, the ones who were respecting the the ones that die alone that was cool however i was more invested in like the the historical drama that was taking place you know with the border and of india and pakistan and um, but you only get small bits of it you know because then you're shoving in with the family drama yes it's cool but again i'm like i want more of this historical stuff and it was again with um the horror one where you're learning more about how frankenstein was written how one of the authors dared. It was like one small line that I was really interested in where it was like, oh, yeah, she's supposed to ask the writer, G- give me your best scary monster. And then that's how Frankenstein's written. But it's just these one throwaway lines that are just left in the background. And it's like, oh, yeah. what's the monster of the week
1: in this historical time period? It's just... And that's that's my biggest issue is that back in the day, back in the yes. classic Doctor Yeah, yep, yep. Yep, they used to do pure historicals. Marco I mean, Polo, I think, is the most famous one. Um, even though it's a lost story now, um, maybe we'll get an animated recreation. We don't know. But I think that, like, this current series, episodes like Rosa, Demons of the Punjab, would benefit from just the Doctor and um, the Companions just interacting and getting involved with history. With, yeah. um, with history. And I think it would be good to have you could have um, Jodie Whittaker because her Doctor, for the most part, is more of like a a plot point. She is less of a character in that first series because she is purely the vehicle through which the other companions get to experience different stuff. We get very little actual character development for the 13th Doctor in that first series, Mm -hmm. which is why I think the companions, uh, they don't really have a tangible relationship with the Doctor, and I find that really disappointing because all the previous companions did. And in these historicals, Sorry, and in this current series, um, they don't really have a personal relationship. They call her her best friend and she's all this stuff, but you actually never, you get told the relationship, you don't get to see it.
0: Yeah, and that's so always bad.
1: I th- i think if they'd have lent into that more, either do away with it entirely, strip the companions back and explore the 13th Doctor from an actual introspective point of view. Have her explore the fact that her gender has changed and how she feels about that which you never really find out, or if you want to be completely removed, have Yaz, Brian, and Graham actually be the main characters and the Doctor is just this time-travelling magician wizard person who enables,
0: who them. takes them to yeah. places
1: and teaches them about stuff. That would be good. And that's what they
0: originally did? If you think
1: Exactly. That was kind of the point. And then you can have Yaz actually find out about a history and the Doctor tells it, yeah, so the partition was this, because a lot of people... I would reckon, didn't know about the patches until the episode. I
0: didn't at all. I didn't. And I was really interested. And I think
1: that's good. You can have these episodes where Doctor Who teaches people about specific periods in time. You could go to Kerbalan and she's teaching people about Koblan, and maybe they get involved. You don't need to have the fucking weird subplot where actually the Amazon system is good. It's people who are bad. You don't need to have that stuff. You can just have her teaching people. And, yeah, people will be like, oh, but like, what about the action figures? What about the toys? But the show would be better for it. Yeah,
0: more Rosa, people would be intrigued, yeah.
1: Rosa, Demons of the Punjab are two episodes that I think would be a lot better if you just um, removed the alien element. Maybe Rosa, that episode, they go back in time and they realise, oh, hang on. For some reason, there isn't enough people on that bus. Why aren't there enough people on that bus to, for Rosa to... Oh, it's because we have to be part of history. And they have to consciously choose to stay. Which they kind of do at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. But they don't really have a choice by that point. Yeah, They're I... already on the bus and the Doctor's like, Oh, we can't get off. And they're like, Oh, okay. But I think if they'd... And I don't want to get into like rewrites. But I just think that the the historicals and stuff would be a lot better... If they actually removed a bunch of the aliens and the monsters from them,
0: yeah, I I agree there because you do want to learn a wee bit more about the history that they they choose and everything. And um, my main thing with the history episodes is she keeps on saying like, "Oh, we can't interfere because you know it's our it's history and it will affect the future." But then she goes, and I don't know if it's just I've forgotten how Doctor Who works. But she then does go in and spoil stuff and, like, takes historical people with her and, you know, in that yeah. two-part one in season 12, it just doesn't really flow well because then I remember there's this one line when Yaz, when, you know, the demons of the Punjab, she goes, because she's looking after her grandmother, she's like, oh, I want to make sure that she's okay. It's like, well, you do know that she's going to be okay because then you're born, you exist, you know she's going to yeah. be okay. So you don't need to get all, oh, And, you know, she spoils stuff in that episode going like, oh, yeah, the the holy man was killed by your brother. It's like, isn't that going to affect the history, you know?
1: Um, and this this is the problem with writers who don't write science fiction writing for science fiction because it's it's the rules are always end up being vague because the people writing them don't know no, what they, they don't should know. be.
0: Yeah, I just get left very confused. And there's a couple of throwaway lines which really annoy me. Like when she's in World War Two with Ada and the World War Two lady, she goes, Why are your clothes so weird? But then in like other episodes like the Demons of the Punjab, they're they're not wear they're wearing their normal clothes, yet people make no comment to it. But in one episode they do. And then when you get yeah. to that other one with Frankenstein, they're all dressed up in the way that it's it's it just doesn't make sense. It's very
1: inconsistent.
0: Yeah, I get really annoyed at that. It's like if you're gonna do a history episode, do it right. It's, oh, I don't
1: get it, it. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where it, it does just come down to a point of laziness. Mm-hmm. I think so, we should move on to and the, talk about the the big the big game changer of this era. The biggest which is the timeless child. Yeah,
0: I love how you said. Like the last thing you said was laziness, and then we move on to the one thing that just pisses me off the most. And um, because it is really lazy writing. I just not because well, this writing. is the
1: thing, right? I've semi come round to this thing kind of but i want you to tell me what you think of the timeless child reveal because i've had quite because is this the first time you've seen this
0: um in the episode yes you've told me about it and i've watched clips but i haven't i didn't see the episode until last night yeah
1: see i i've been mulling on this for about a year because it was it was 2020 when that came out the start of 2020, so almost two years. I've been thinking about this plot thing for a while. Mm-hmm. And I'm not completely sold on it. I've still got my issues with it, but I've come around to it a little bit. But yeah, I want to I get your opinion on it first. What do you think of the, the Timeless Child uh, plot line?
0: I think it's terrible because it kind of ruins the Time Lords, you know? The... Throughout the entire series of Doctor Who, the Time Lords are like these great beings. They can time travel, uh, they've,
1: but they've they've always been shady. They've always been think shady. of them in like think of them in like the end of time and like especially oh, in the classic yeah. series. They do a lot of like shady behind the scenes stuff. They're like um, like they sent the Doctor to basically assassinate the Daleks before they were created, and like they've they do have some shadiness, to shady them. history stuff going on.
0: Okay, fair enough. But I just don't like how the the doctor is the reason for them. Like she technically yeah. it's her race cuz they've all got a bit of doctor in them and that's why the master's pissed off at her. Like that's a really weird reason to be pissed off at. Um or like to have all that motivation. Um but I just didn't like it. It didn't really make sense, you know, because you talk about how in the, like, other episodes, when they're talking about, oh, the Doctor can only have so many regenerations, but she's the timeless child. So she has... Mul- she's got never-ending stuff. So it doesn't really add up as to how the Matt Smith ones, like, oh, yeah, I have to live out... You know, he has this really long life because he's on his last regeneration.
1: But he's the timeless child. He can he can do whatever he wants. And- yeah, it, it does mess a bit of the continuity up. See, but here's the thing, right? Uh, actually I, I'll let you finish because i might I might ramble here. you might ramble uh, <laughs> which you do a lot um <laughs> yeah. it's, it's but this this will be necessary rambling, I promise
0: yeah, um like it's just i didn't like it uh it just if you know how with Superman um like before it got rewritten, like he didn't have a weakness, and it was only you know a, a different origin came along where he's weakened by kryptonite. Like, I feel the Doctor's now too overpowered now. She's literally got her own... She created the Time Lords. She's so OP now um, because she made the Time Lords. Who does she belong to now, you know? Why does she need to follow the Time Lord rules and everything when she's the reason for them? Um, It's just all over the place. Because it's the Doctor Who race, is it not? Because it's her race. No? Well, here's the
1: thing. Do you want to hear what I think? Because you don't like what I think. <laughs> no, no, I because I completely get that, but I. And it's not that I disagree, but okay. Are you, are you familiar with the Cartmell Master Plan?
0: Nope. Uh,
1: the Cartmel Master Plan was, um, it's kind of like the, uh, the fan term for it. Um, it was basically back in the, eighties. Uh, Andrew Cartmel, I think was his name. Was it Andrew?
0: I don't know. <laughs>
1: anyway, uh, he was like one of the editors, one of the writers of Doctor Who in like the kind of Sylvester McCoy era. And he wanted to add more mystery to the Doctor's backstory um, make the character a bit more mysterious because by this point we knew so much. We knew that he was from Gallifrey. We knew who the Time Lords were. We knew why he left Gallifrey went back in like the first season, the Doctor was a bit more mysterious. So he wanted to add this mystery back and it would be this big subplot where eventually it was revealed that the Doctor was the reincarnation of a Time Lord called the Other. Okay. Who was one of the three founding fathers of uh, Gallifreyan history. You had Rassilon, Omega, and then the Other. And a bunch of these plot lines were kind of um, after the show was cancelled, all of these like loose plot threads that were kind of only roughly vaguely referenced in the show were put into these books. And there's a famous book called Lung Barrow which basically explains the Doctor's past, the Doctor's origin story essentially. And you go to Gallifrey and you meet the Doctor's family. Which has only been roughly mentioned in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but It was this big reveal that was going to be built up to, and there's I think the only reference to it that survives in the show that didn't get cut is there's a scene where in Remembrance of the Daleks, the last episode of the Daleks, uh, in the classic run, where the Doctor's companion, Ace, is talking to the Seventh Doctor about this weapon they're going to use called the Hand of Omega, and he's explaining that it was a weapon from the, the Time Lords, And he was like, yeah, it was created by Rassilon and Omega and blah, 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 blah. And he says something along the lines of, oh, we had problems with the prototype. And Ace goes, we. And he goes, oh, they. And it was like, oh, hang on. What what was that supposed to be? And there's a bit where Davros says to the Seventh Doctor, you're just a Time Lord. And then um, the Seventh Doctor says, I am more than just another Time Lord. And it was never explained what he meant by that. Yeah. So in a way... Even though this isn't an exact, and who knows how this is going to turn out, this plot line, which we should probably explain here what it is, um, this reveal that actually the Doctor wasn't born on Califrae. She wasn't just another yeah. the of the The Doctor come... was discovered by someone called mm-hmm. um, a Shabogan, which I thought was a ridiculous name, but apparently that's like a deep cut. The Time Lords were, at one point, called Shabogans. I think it's mentioned in The Deadly Assassin, a fourth Doctor story. Oh, wow. I, didn't um, I need to that. watch it to find out. Because um, I've never seen The Deadly Assassin. Uh, so, apparently, that's, like, actual, like, deep-cut lore. But, yeah, so... Um, she finds this girl. And Takes that her girl in. can regenerate. And she takes that ability to regenerate and applies it to Time Lords. She puts in a limit for Time Lords for some reason. And yeah, they um basically uh from this kid create regeneration. And because of that, they allow it allows them to become Time Lords. And I think in some other media Rassilon was actually the inventor of regeneration, which is clearly been changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Omega was the inventor of time travel, and Rassilon was the inventor of regeneration. Um, That's changed. But maybe, Rass- maybe Rassilon's the inventor of something else now. Maybe he created the the tardises or something. I don't know. Um, but I don't entirely hate this idea. Really. Because I think making the doctor, having the doctor's past be mysterious, is a good thing. Um, what I don't like is the fact that the fact that she comes from this other planet makes the whole thing of her name not being known a bit redundant. Because that wasn't re- that's like her second name. She clearly she probably had another name before she came through this gateway, unless. It's, the, I don't know, I, I think it kind of, there's parts of it that that make me think that, oh, well, her name, this whole mystery around her name is even less important because it's probably not even her first name that she had. Yeah. I think that lessens it. I really don't like that a big portion of this is like, oh, there were a bunch of doctors before William Hartnell. Yeah. Because I think I think that's a massive sort of disregard to his legacy because he's mm-hmm. also the only Doctor that's been recast. They've recast the first Doctor twice now. And I think that's a that's a big shame to him. And I think it's a bit of a shame to go like, oh, he, he literally like, he became severely unwell well working on the show. Mm-hmm. He dedicated a lot of his life to the show. He really cared about the show. And the reason he moved on from it and let Patrick Chowton take over is because he didn't want the show to end with him. Um, he, like, wanted it to move on and... Keep going. ...to outlive him. Yeah. And I think it's a massive shame that I just went, oh, but he wasn't the first. There was a bunch of people before him. And I also think it's a very lazy way to try and say that the Doctor has always been a woman or has been black before. Yeah. Or whatever. I think it's very... Instead of just casting a black Doctor and more female Doctors or whatever, to just go, oh, but the Doctor was originally a girl all along... It, it feels a little forced in that regard. Yeah, it just comes across unnatural. But at the same time, um, we don't actually know how this is going to turn out. And there are there is a bunch of continuity stuff that it just tied together. Like, for example, do you know what the brain of Morbius is? Not a clue. It was an old Doctor Who story that I've not seen because I've not seen a lot of classic Doctor Who. I'm waiting for Blu-rays to come out of it. To get, I've been getting the collection, mm-hmm. um, and I've been waiting for the Brain of Morbius to be released on one of the. Because I'm getting the, um, it's not important. I'm not getting the big boxes. I'm getting the smaller boxes because they fit nice on a shelf, and they've not released the Brain of Morbius on one of those yet. So, I'm, it's not important. This is <laughs> not important not at, at all. In the episode, a time lord called Morbius was trying to steal the Doctor's remaining regenerations, and there's a scene where they're both linked to, like, their, their psyches are connected. And you see pictures, there's, like, a mon- um like, scanning their brains, and you see pictures of um, the Doctor's faces. Yeah. Because so this was a Tom Baker story. So you see John Perry, you see Patrick Jones, you see William Hartnell, and then you see a bunch of other faces as well. And there was massive debate for years whether those faces were Morbius' faces because he was also connected to the machine, or if they were supposed to be previous incarnations of the Doctor before William Hartnell, yeah, it doesn't really make sense. And and well, it it just makes sense, kind because of, this was before they'd established the Rule of Thirteen, right? Okay. So they hadn't really said that which doctor was first. They had after, after this episode, they said, no, William Hartner was the first one. Those faces were just Morbius. But in the episode, in the Timeless Children episode, when she's in the Matrix and she, you know, uses all of her memory power or whatever to escape the Matrix, you see those faces from the brain of Morbius. Oh, right. I didn't. You okay. see them, like, flash up. When, when she's going through all of her regenerations, you see those faces. So part of the what this show seems to be saying, or what the Times show seems to be saying, is that those faces were, in fact, the Doctor. Mm-hmm. And the Doctor has had thousands of regenerations prior to William Hartnell. Which would work, however, Jo Martin's Doctor, when she's discovered, like, when you find her that she's the Doctor... Yeah, she has a TARDIS that is a police box, but that shouldn't be the case because the only reason why the TARDIS looks like a police box is because in the Doctor's first episode, with the an unearthly child, mm-hmm. um, he's it's a police box in a junkyard because he's in the nineteen sixties, and then when they go back in time to um, uh, the cavemen, William Hartnell's like, oh, the the. Police box hasn't changed. It's it, why hasn't it changed? That's the first time it stays as a police box is in the first episode of Doctor Who. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that Joe Martin's Doctor has a police box TARDIS means that she has to be after William Hartnell because yeah, he would have just had a regular TARDIS, and he also you see the moment that William Hartnell steals that particular TARDIS. Yeah. It was long, so unless yeah. Joe Martin's Doctor. Like the doctor before William Hartnell, also happened to get stuck in the 1960s as a police box, which is a massive coincidence. It doesn't really line up that she is also the doctor. It's just. I'm really confused, man. <laughs> now, to be fair, this is a story that isn't finished. They might explain in the flux, the end of the flux, what was happening who Joe Martin is, how it all fits together. I'm hoping that there is some kind of reveal and that through that reveal we do get more mystery to the Doctor. Because I like the fact that this reveal sort of makes good and two promises. It kind of completes the Cardinal Master Plan. Mm -hmm. Kind of. But it also completes the prophecy of the hybrid from Series 9, the Peter Capaldi series, Mm -hmm. because... Um, That whole thing was that, I think the exact prophecy is that there'll be a hybrid, a warrior born of two warrior races who will break a thousand, a million hearts to mend his own and will stand above the ruins of Gallifrey. That's the master. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because the Master, he's merged with the Siberian. He's become a warrior of both the Cybermen and the Time Lords. He creates the Cyber Lords, or whatever they're called. Yeah. And destroys Gallifrey. He stands over the ruins of Gallifrey and breaks a million hearts to mend his own because he kills all the Gallifreyans. So it kind of completes the hybrid prophecy as well. That's quite nice. Links links in with other storylines. That's quite good. It's not a complete, like, the continuity doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like I said, the Joe Martin Doctor and the William Hartnell thing doesn't line up. And the fact that like you no, know, it kind of it goes, Oh well William Hartner wasn't the first doctor, fucking me, it's not important. It may it doesn't really fit together that well. Mm-hmm. However, it might end up fitting together better by the end of the story's conclusion. I'm not really sure. I'm curious to see where it goes, but right now I've kind of come around to it. Especially since in series thirteen the writing has gotten better. Ooh,
0: well I'm looking forward to watching that i'm I'm hopeful now
1: yeah so i don't know currently i'm at a point where i'm like you know what we'll wait and see because when i first saw it i was like well that kind of he's not the doctor's not a time lord anymore you know but going back and watching it and sort of you know watching some classic doctor who as well some sylvester mccoy stuff and um re-watching a bunch of the old stuff because you know watching um the Peter Capaldi shoot, they were talking about the hybrid because I always thought that was a bit of a weak plot line in series uh, nine. But the fact that this kind of pulls all that together, I'm I'm kind of easing up on it.
0: Um, I'm still not. But I don't I'm, know. I'm still confused as anything. Um, I'll be interesting to see uh, how they continue with it, like you mentioned. Um, when I do eventually get to watch season thirteen. Which I'll be getting to after this recording, maybe,
1: actually. Yeah, because we've, we've, uh, tomorrow night is, is episode five, and then Sunday night, the following week, is the finale, All right. which means you and I will probably have to record this episode Sunday evening. Okay, I should be fine.
0: I'm totally okay with um,
1: that. We'll have to record, like, immediately after the episode's ended. But yeah, I I don't know. Currently I'm like we'll, we'll wait and see. Maybe it'll all fit together really well. Maybe it'll all um maybe it won't. Work. Maybe it won't. Maybe it absolutely won't, maybe, which is a which is a strong possibility.
0: Maybe that's why they've brought Russell T Davis back. To fix <laughs> He's their come in and fix it all. We're going to leave this as shit as possible for Russell T Davis to fix. And I'm okay <laughs> with that. I'm okay with that.
1: The only thing that I want Russell T Davis to do that I want any writer to do in the Come on Doctor Who is explain what exactly Big Bang 2 rebooted.
0: Uh, well, you're going to have to get Stephen Moffat for that because he's the one who... Because
1: I think I know. I think I figured it out. But...
0: That's for another... Who, knows? who
1: fucking knows? That's who... for
0: another episode, Thomas. We don't need to get That's into that. Episode. I think this has been a very good episode so far. There's a lot of discussion yeah, about I think it's um... Doctor.
1: So, as a recap... Favorite episode?
0: Demons of the Punjab and The Lonely Spider. That's Lonely Cyberman.
1: The Lonely Cyberman, <laughs> the lonely Cyber- yeah. Mine, yeah, The Haunt of the Dead Darty for myself. Well, out of the first couple series. Mm-hmm. Um, my actual favorite is Walters and Torrents, but we'll get to that next week. Woo! Um, favorite companion? Uh, none. <laughs> mine's Yaz but it's Dan we'll talk about that next series um,
0: favourite villain uh, Lonely Cyberman and uh, Tom Shaw Tim Shaw Sim Shaw whatever it's the Toothman mine
1: is the master of course it is. actually Swarm that we'll talk about next week <laughs> you're
0: doing a lot of we'll talk about next
1: week <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I'll tell you we don't have to talk about next week my least favourite episode without a doubt it's probably Kabbalah or what? Spyfall Part 2.
0: Um, mine are every other one's because I don't like <laughs> I just don't I, like it.
1: I, yeah, personally, this has... I th- Actually, I think we should say this upfront. Upfront, uh, up if we're near the end of the episode. I think we should mention that this is the best that Doctor Who has ever looked.
0: How do you mean? Well, cinematography? Like,
1: like, yeah, the cinematography. Oh, yeah, the, the yeah, effects, yeah. It is, without the doubt, the nicest looking. I also think it's the best logo and the best title sequence.
0: Um, I don't know if I'm just being nostalgic it's... for David Tennant, but, okay, I'll give you that, yeah. I'm
1: I I, I I'm not a big fan of the music. I prefer the previous tunes, but I do think that the the opening credits, it's like a modern interpretation of the classic... Um,
0: Timey-wimey stuff.
1: Yeah, because, like... like uh, Hartnell, Troughton and Pertwee their credits were more like weird smoky fucking columns of like blobs or whatever and I think this is just like a 3D version of that Awesome um, stuff though I think I've explained that terribly It's okay but I, I, <laughs> I also just, I like the logo I think the logo's good And is that how we're going to end it there? We like the logo yeah. <laughs> well I, I i i thought i thought i'd ended it really well with a with like oh we're talking with timeless children and next week we'll talk about potentially the rest of the story and i think i've ruined that um that tease well
0: if you haven't already uh gathered next week we're going to be talking about lord of the rings again um <laughs> i don't know if you've caught that from the episodes but we're talking about that next week um no so yeah well i'll be watching season 13
1: not a lot. Or oh, actually, as it's called, it's uh, this is the first season series. I keep saying season. It is the first series of Doctor Who that has a subtitle. It is Phlox. called Doctor Who Flux. I was gonna say fuckox, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> the fuckups. That's cool. I guess we'll never know. Well, I will know
1: because I will. watch... it We'll have to. We'll have to, have to make notes on that. Set, have to.
0: Well, as you know, I, like I said, I now know how this podcast. Was, but... <laughs> i having a breakdown man um now i have notes i know how podcasts work
1: yes well there we go yeah. perfect absolutely okay. perfect
0: well thank you for listening to thomas everyone because he knows more than i do obviously um so next week we will be talking about the next season of doctor who uh, hopefully you'll watch it too and so you'll know what we're talking about and this is not all new stuff to you and um, so to all our fellow versers what's a good catchphrase
1: Thomas that we should have um what like a closing catchphrase
0: yeah we really need to figure out our closing catchphrase
1: we're standing right behind you now <laughs>
0: I, I'm. I'm going to be a bit. Surprised. I
1: think that's how we should end each episode.
0: I'm going to be a bit surprised if we get f- phone calls from the police now. After,
1: after that people are going, what? <laughs> right, um, that's well, if anyone's listening. That's if anyone's made it this far.
0: Is that our Is that our I, catchphrase? I also.
1: I I am looking forward to next week because I don't like talking negatively about Doctor Who. I think next week has a lot of positives to talk about. Okay. As someone who's not been a big fan of Chip era, and. As as a rule of thumb, I've not liked a lot of Chibnall's previous Doctor Who works. He's written episodes before he was showrunner, and I've usually not liked them. But I do um, like this. I, I have really enjoyed the the flux. Well, stay tuned, Capeversers, as we talk about flux next week. That was <laughs> good. I liked that. That was a good. That was a good ending. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. You just made it up as you went.
0: Yeah, I know, right? Oh, nice, nice. All right, see
1: you next week, everyone.